Tune in to the Neil Prenderville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. A uh, bit on the showery side, Lana, for the weekend, unfortunately, girl. Anyway, paper-wise, this morning, it's all budget-related. Front page and inside page, pretty much all been leaked, to be honest, unless they've got a couple of rabbits that they'll pull from the hat at some stage in the early afternoon. But one of the interesting ones is half-price travel for the young. Now, pensioners, when you add it all up, a fiver here, a fiver there, and three euro for the other, that comes up to 13 euro increase. That's the 13 euro boost uh, for pensioners. You know something? The economy is actually bouncing back most, much faster and healthier than had been anticipated as we come out of this pandemic. And also tax receipts, the money that the government is getting in from the economy, tax receipts are also coming in bigger than they'd expected. So that's all good news, to be honest, and God knows we need it. Front of this morning's mail talks about um, parents being the big winner. So a free GP care increased age-wise to the under-8s now. Uh, and there's also a cut in the pupil-teacher ratio to 24. And I have to say, I think that's incredible because broadcasting on air, uh, you know, 15, maybe 20 years ago, average class sizes, it might only have been 15 years ago, were 34 to 35 per class. So getting them down to 24, that's some achievement. Childcare fees will be frozen frozen and there will be some help with childcare. Not quite sure what they plan to do but they're also increasing parental leave. Uh, back to school allowance has gone up by a tenner. Of course that's tiny. You wouldn't get two coffees and a couple of scones for that. Uh, pensioners weekly, weekly payment makes all of the papers. And the Independent is a very nice kind of a, a caption box which talks of the GP care for children. Um, 250 euro package to shorten waiting lists. I wonder will that just be lost in the system like it usually is. Free contraceptives will be phased in. And another one that I really like is measures to relieve period poverty. Um, Now, what those measures are, I don't know. Will we arrive at a time when all women will be provided with everything they need uh, with regards to menstruation for free? So I'm not sure that that's going to happen anytime soon, but it's a step in the right direction. Uh, So they're talking about, interestingly, they're talking about free contraceptives to be phased in. A 10 million to uh, roll back uh, on free contraceptives to young adults as well. So all of this is uh, very positive. I mean, it's got to be found somewhere. God knows, will it be found in taxation? We'll have to see. Carbon taxes will hammer you. The price of petrol and diesel is going to hammer you as if things haven't been bad enough. The old reliables, you're probably looking at 50 cent uh, to a box of 20 fags. Uh, but as I was suggesting on, uh, the, I think it might have been yesterday morning, no change to the price of uh, alcohol because hospitality would freak out considering what they've gone through. So that's kind of the gist of it. I'm sure there are other bits and pieces. Oh, they're also talking about 800, um, like the Mirror this morning picks up on garden numbers to be boosted by 800 next year. Now, the unfortunate thing about that is God only knows where the 800 will go. Unfortunately, um, Dublin tends to soak up uh, Gardy like a wet sponge so I don't know whether that'll happen or not one of the other stories, this man, we'll have more on that throughout the course of the morning, I'll chat with you about that later But because I'll, I'll be chatting with Micheál Martin tomorrow and Simon Coveney and I want you to you know, maybe suggest a, a question that you'd like asked so more on that later. Um, interesting one where unvaccinated pregnant women are being told that they need to get the Covid jab as many will end up critically ill if not but more and also equally important with regards to no jab is no job so the HSE now are considering of giving an ultimatum to their healthcare workers. This has happened in other countries. New Zealand springs to mind. So senior health officials, including Dr. Colm Henry, has said that the health service is examining whether to introduce a no-jab, no-job policy 
in a bid to curb COVID outbreaks. This is after New Zealand announced that healthcare workers and teachers, incidentally, must be fully vaccinated in the coming weeks to keep their jobs. Now, your thoughts are welcome on that by text. Text 0868-104-106. In an effort they are saying to protect people who are ill and in an effort to protect children and young people, should there be a policy with regards to healthcare and school teachers of no jab, no job? Text 0868-104-106. As you heard Lana O'Connor mention in the 9 o'clock news, 67% of emergency department staff at the CUH are um, reporting with COVID-related burnout. I'd say if you asked an awful lot of them, what they'd like to do is to sleep for a long time and to rest and to recover. Uh, but Jumbo Kearns in the mirror this morning with regards to the vaccinated or the unvaccinated is having a go at soccer players more importantly I suppose Irish soccer players he says who in the name of God do some of our Irish international footballers think they are the country's been to hell and back fighting the Covid pandemic yet some of our players refuse to get vaccinated even though one of them had the virus twice you wonder what kind of a planet they live on uh, are they living in their own little spoiled brat rich bubble where, where they can do whatever they want with little or no accountability and to hell with the consequences and he blames the Irish soccer manager uh, a very disturbing story on the front of the Echo today uh, regarding a, a young boy who um raped his teenage niece and apparently um I was gonna say learned how to do it when I when I say learned how to do it, learned how to have sex all kinds of wrong sex uh, from watching pornography from the age of 9 or 10 and that's a court case that makes the front of the echo today, it also makes the uh, uh, examiner and uh, its front and inside pages uh, and then there's a story from Limerick of a traveller family um, who uh, was due to move into a new home in Limerick now they pot- they potentially face homelessness because they've been receiving threats from someone or some people that if they move into the, this house they will be burnt out of it. Vile messages written on the council-owned property in Garyon and Limerick. Things like, no tinkers here, burn out, I will burn. Um, so they're saying, well, we can't take a risk and go into that house for fear that we'll be dead in our beds. And then there's uh, obviously uh, the um, Dublin Mountain story makes the front of all of the red tops, the search for murdered Deirdre Jacobs. Uh, apparently this was sparked, according to the red tops, because of revelations that a man saw something being dragged from a car, from the boot of a car, into the woods on the evening that um, that Deirdre Jacobs disappeared. And the headline is, I saw a man drag something into the woods on the day that Deirdre vanished. Uh, Dublin Cabby uh, is in trouble. He's been fined €300 Euro for double charging on a fare. Apparently, this was a woman who flew back into Dublin and wanted to go to... Where do you want to go again? I think it was Dublin 13, I think. Something like that. Anyway, apparently the meter said, just as she was driving into the park, the meter said €27.40. Euro uh, she was almost home. He switched the meter off without any explanation and he told her the fare was 44 euro um, and it was less than 60 seconds so you're not going to go from 27.40 to 44 euro on a 60 second trip anyway she complained him it's a story that makes the sun today and the Christmas top list is out the top toys for Christmas apparently if you didn't know it there is uh, um, uh, after last year's off the wall gotta go flamingo Forgive me for not knowing what that is. Uh, This year's must-have toy, apparently, is a turtle. 
that poos, apparently, at thirty nine ninety nine, Kids can feed him magic turtle food. Uh, but, oh, he sings then, apparently. Oh, oh, gotta go, gotta go. You have to get him to the loo on time. I love that. Uh, the whole top ten include Lego Luigi starter course, Pictionary, Air Harry Potter, Polly Pockets, LOL Surprise, LOL Surprise. Is it LOL or LOL? It's LOL, isn't it? Um, I can't pronounce even some of them. Linkamel Dance. You guys, you guys will know this with small kids. Uh, Spidey and his amazing friends. Little Live Pets Gotta Go Turtle, the one that poos. Uh, a 36-inch Batman. Uh, a Balloon Dino. And uh, a Paw Patrol. So that's the top ones. And Santy's working away up in the North Pole, getting all those ready. And um, if you want to solve one of life's mysteries, well, you could help Heinz to work out how to design a bottle that you don't have to bang and bang and bang to get the ketchup out. Did you know that Heinz are spending millions trying to invent, invent a new bottle where you don't need to bang to get the ketchup out? Um, they want to ditch the squeezy plastic bottle. Not so sure they need to bother. I think they're damn good, the squeezy, squidgy ones. They get pretty much everything out and also recyclable. So I don't know why they want to mess with it. Uh, the original glass ketchup bottle was the, the first one that caused all the problems, of course, because you were banging the back of that forever and ever. And apparently, according to the star, a small little one this morning says that a third of us do not plan meals ahead, even though we should. We chatted about this on Friday Batch cooking, lads. Cooking lots. My son does it at the weekend and eats through the week with it. Batch cooking at the weekend or one day a week. Preparing meals. Uh, I know you don't want to be eating the same food every day, so it needs to be a little bit more adventurous than that. But if you batch cook, you can save €1,650 a year. You batch cook and you put it into Pyrex dishes and bowls and what have you. You know where this is going. Pyrex did the research. And one or two more, if you're not gripped by a book within the first 20 pages, apparently, the recommendation from research is don't read on. If they ain't got you in the first 20 minutes, uh, park it and move on. And the things that boomed during COVID and the things that did not, the Times UK said the winners with regards to things that sold hugely were tents, trampolines, hot tubs, pizza ovens, Big TVs, Speedos, corner sofas, Crocs are back apparently, and smart home security. The things that did not sell well and collapsed during COVID, filing cabinets. It's in a filing cabinet. Um, Who'd have needed them over the last 20 months, the filing cabinet? Travel accessories, ties, Ain't nobody wearing a tie in the last 20, 20 months. I don't know. It'd be people going on Zoom for a meeting with a tie. I doubt it. Makeup bags. Children's party clothes. Ah. Uh, briefcases. And interestingly, thongs. The Neil Prenderville Show. Eyes open 1-850-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. And we'll drive on a lot of calls, a lot of topics, a lot of conversations. Of course, we have a fair idea of the budget. It'll be just after lunch uh, when they'll get up in their pins uh, but uh, we might chat about that a little later on because as I say I have Mial Martin and Simon Coveney sorted for chats and I'd love to get a little bit of direction from you guys it's very important to me uh, as to what's on your mind and then I'll work it into my conversation with the two of them so if you want to do that you can text keep the text short lads short you can so that I'll be able to get through as many of them as I can text 0868104106 on that one and I'll read through them when I get off the air a little later on but one of the things I mentioned there was uh, uh, they're looking at introducing a no jab no job policy uh, apparently they've been keeping an eye on what's happening in New Zealand doctors nurses frontline healthcare workers 
must be vaccinated against COVID-19 and the HSE are considering it as well now. A no jab, no job policy. To the phone lines we go. Jennifer McGuire. Jennifer, good morning. Good morning. What, what, are you in healthcare? Um, I'm in holistic healthcare. Good for you. What, what do you make of this proposal? Um, I personally think it's outrageous. I mean, the nurses have gone from hero to zero. We had the nurses that were hailed as the saviors throughout the pandemic who worked tirelessly without a vaccine, who now might lose their jobs because they don't want to take a jab. I think they're not really considering natural immunity from previously acquired. You referring? Are you referring to herd immunity? No, no. I'm no. talking about somebody who has natural immunity from already catching the virus, or from somebody who already had SARS one and still has lasting immunity from that. And would that and herd immunity be enough? Do you think to get us through whatever may come? No. Well, it, it might have done if we had been allowed to um, to let natural immunity happen because the decision to lock down, they've shown now, really didn't do much in effect to stop death from happening. I have to tell you, there's a report on the UK this morning and while this independent report says they did really well with regards to rolling out the vaccine, this independent report is, a, is very critical of Boris Johnson's government for being slow to lock down. Well, the Taylor Francis online, he did a cost benefit of lockdown and he said it's going to be the greatest um, policy failure in modern history that wasn't, you know, was in peacetime. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have a read of that. hundred different studies. And just very quickly, why does he say that? Because they looked at a hundred different studies of lockdowns in different countries and it, the, the lockdowns were shown to have done really little or nothing to prevent deaths okay. in the countries they looked at. Okay, okay. Um, are they also thinking also that, because um, in, in New Zealand, it's not just healthcare workers, but it's teachers as well. Okay, but then if you look at Israel, and there's a country that have the biggest rollout, I think, of vaccines in the world. And now they're looking at maybe the percentage of the immunity you have after six months might be as low as 20% or 30%. So you're talking about being vaccinated maybe every six months. Is this forever? Um, maybe uh, a booster jab. Maybe uh, the, the same way we just get the flu vaccine every every early winter, you know? But not everyone has to or is kind of coerced into taking a flu vaccine it's very much a personal choice apparently deaths in young children are up by 400% in England after the mandate of um, the vaccine for young young boys My, myocarditis is I, I, see, I don't have that research in front of me so I'm assuming you're accurate in what you quote you know the way it is in the world we live in now Not oh yeah, like, yeah well I hope so do you know what I mean but it's just I just think there's been so much suppression of information to do with vaccine harm there's been so much coercion. Like, if you think of the Nuremberg Code, you, you know, forcing people to take experimental drugs is is really, like, it shouldn't be. It's illegal. And now suddenly we're trying to, we're trying to make it like as if, oh, this is the way we should be going forward. So you still regard this as, a, as, a, as an experimental drug, do you? Well, because they have no long-term studies on, we haven't had it long enough to have long-term studies. 
Therefore, nobody knows in 10 years' time what the implications But if it affects the elderly worse, like a really bad flu would, right? And COVID yeah. is, is flu multiplied by however, I don't know how many, but much worse than, than flu. Um, and you have older people in hospital. Surely be to God is not too much expect to expect the healthcare workers or anybody in the hospital setting to be protected against passing on a very bad dose of COVID to an elderly person. Well, you see, it, the whole idea of the vaccine was that it was going to help reduce deaths and need for hospitalisation anyway. So by me having my vaccine, I'm protecting myself. And therefore, I, it's like asking somebody else to hold an umbrella out and it's raining to keep me dry. It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, but you don't want to, you see, the person who's vaccinated passes on a much weaker strain of COVID. Are you aware of that? And the person who receives it off them receives a much weaker dose of it and is vaccinated to protect them. That, that's, that's how it works, yeah? But so that's why if I have my vaccine, then I've already protected myself. Yeah, yeah, yes. And then, still... like, asymptomatic spread is another story as well because... But... But what you but what, are you anti-vaccine? Is, are you anti-vaccine? I'm, is not, that... I'm not anti-vaccine at all. No, not at all. But I just think we've gone. I think the world has been so frightened. There's been so much scare tactics used throughout this pandemic that I think logic and reason have been left behind. Now, every year people died of flu. Every year, if you're sick, you don't go and visit people, especially vulnerable people. And I think a common sense approach needs to come back as well. Yeah, but you could have healthcare workers going to work with COVID and going into a hospital setting with it. So then you shouldn't go to work if you're sick. Okay, hold on a second then. Sarah, good morning. Hi, how are you, Neil? You're a healthcare worker. What are, you th- what are your thoughts on this no jab, no job? Um, I'd actually be in support of it. Now, my opinion has changed due to the fact, um, initially, I do agree with the fact that everybody should have choice. Um, but being a HSE employee myself, I was actually in a situation a few months back where um, COVID was brought into our facility um, by an unvaccinated nurse. Um, two patients ended up contracting COVID and I myself contracted COVID as well, even though I was double Pfizer vaccinated. Right. Right. Um, uh, how were, so how were those two? How were those two patients? Did they recover? Um, they recovered and I recovered myself as well. But unfortunately, now I am feeling the effects of what kind um, long term COVID. Um, I just feel as well that we have a duty of care and a responsibility as, you know, HSE employees and various healthcare practitioners to our patients and service users and clients. Um, I myself am fortunate that I, I don't have anybody with will say a compromised immune system but if I had will say an elderly parent or someone like that in a facility or a sick child above in Crumlin I would personally want their carers to be vaccinated one of the big issues at the one of the big issues at the moment is that frontline staff working for the HSE who haven't been vaccinated and normally would be dealing with frontline patients have been redeployed elsewhere. So it's not very efficient the way it is, you know, that you'd have frontline staff no, unvaccinated, do, like doing what? Is, are they doing clerical work, admin? What are they doing? We have lost people to frontline healthcare. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And unfortunately, that redeployment policy, if you're unvaccinated, is leaving us extremely sharp staffed then on the floor. But how can you extremely make a vaccine? How can you make a vaccine mandatory? I mean, that's a. But I just think, like you know, coming into this job, you like even before COVID, there is policies and procedures. You have a duty of care as a healthcare employee. It, it's common sense, like it's absolutely common sense. It's the same way. But like, where, do, where will this end, like? You know what I mean? It, it could be seen as being very draconian. This proposal, like I understand, if you want to go to certain foreign countries and you don't get a vaccination, you can't go. Okay, so that's your choice, right? But going to work, it's a necessity. Can I, to go ju- to work. Can I jump in here as well? I mean, that lady is saying she is double jabbed, and yet she still managed to catch it. And I presumably the people that were in the hospital were also jabbed. They were, yeah, but this is what I'm saying. I was so sick myself. I was extremely sick with COVID that if I hadn't been vaccinated, um, I'd, I'd dread to, I definitely would have ended up in the hospital. So my point is, I'm lucky enough that I'm a young person and that I had no underlying health conditions. What you, Do what you know that 99% of people would have had a mild condition anyway and had you not had a jab, and you got COVID, you might have just had exactly the same experience. But how, you're, how do you... you but can't. my emphasis there is it's might, it's might. All the death rates and the statistics are showing us. I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm lucky enough. Other people aren't so lucky in hospitals with compromised immune systems and with underlying illnesses. Yeah, but so you know, Sarah, you know, Sarah, that you, you could have got uh, COVID, <coughs> which you did, um, from a vaccinated person. Uh, as well as an unvaccinated person. Completely, I know that. And I'm only going by um, public health and contact tracing and everything that after after doing the investigation, that's how they linked it, that that unvaccinated nurse who was openly an anti-vaxxer brought it into the unit. Um, There was different incubation periods over a couple of weeks. she gave it to the two patients and I contracted them from the patients yeah. because I actually had zero contact with that unvaccinated nurse. So it was through the patients, yeah. It was the nurse to the patients, the patients to you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then can I ask you, do you pass it on to anyone else as a double vaccinated person? Do you? No, no, no. I was lady enough, I Oh, you're asking, did no, she? I, did Did she? Yeah. No. No, I didn't. I was lucky enough. I didn't. I, I, I kind of caught it in time, we'll say enough. Okay, okay. One for, one against. Thank you both. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Sarah. A lot of texts on this. So the speech at the start saying no one would be pressurized in anything that they don't want to take. If we don't start taking a hold of the independence that's left, we might as well say good luck to Ireland. The only people to stand up to the government and win were the Grey Brigade, as they call themselves. They took to the streets and won, says Denise. This is regarding no jab, no jobs. This is nothing short of discrimination. Some people have good reason not to take the jab. I took it, but I have respect for some who have not, says Anna. I mean, what what are we to learn, or what is the message that's coming from unvaccinated healthcare workers, say nurses or I mean, are, are there unvaccinated doctors, clinicians, are there unvaccinated surgeons and consultants and things like that? Without a shadow of a doubt, the Irish people will refuse this in every way possible. The Irish are not the people to try this on uh, or to try this out on. Uh, this will lead to unrest. The next step would be to build camps 
for the unvaccinated and feed them bread and water, says Mary, by text 0868104106. And there's those and lots more besides. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. I bet you calls in a second or two. I just want to mention this further to run out of time. I mean, there was a, an awful lot of uh, harrowing stories yesterday from the A&E. Oh, having said that, though, there was some balance and other people were calling in and saying of good experiences they had also. But there's a very, very, very important piece of equipment just gone into the CUH. I know of this piece of equipment because a, a friend of mine up the country did um, an awful lot of fundraising and donated an awful lot of money from her company to buy a gene sequencer for, uh, I think it was the Crumlin Children's Hospital in Dublin. Certainly it was a Dublin hospital. And now the CUH has got one of these. It's called the Ion Torrent Genexus Sequencer. Uh, and the CUH has it for the first time. It's got this machine in there now, um, and it costs over half a million. I think you wouldn't get any change out of 550 grand. And they uh, they raise the money through a variety of different initiatives across Cork and beyond. Anyway, here's the deal with this thing. This gene sequencer, right? It can pick up um, through DNA profiling of very young people, say very young children. It can check the DNA of young people. I imagine it can do everybody, but could you imagine... For young people where they can check their DNA really, really young and they can literally, with this gene sequencer, look well into the future of their lives to anticipate what illnesses or disorders they might develop and they can correct them at a very young age. I mean, talk about a miracle. Talk about revolutionary medicine. It's an amazing piece of equipment, a gene sequencer, and they've got one out there. Great news needs to be shared. Um, This no jab, no job will never pass. That's a breach of our basic human rights to choose so. They're contradicting their own legislation and our human rights, says Donna. And a fast one, no jab, no job, threatening people who have, for their own reasons, not got vaccinated. What century are we living in? Forcing humans to do something against their free will? A lot of people take vaccines because they want to travel or go to a restaurant or a cinema, etc. Uh, full stop. Yeah, a lot of people have done that, actually, just to be able to travel. Um, and if they never wanted to travel, some of them, or never wanted to go to a restaurant or a cinema or a bar, they wouldn't have ever bothered with the vaccine and they never would have bothered either with flu jabs or what have you. So some people were forced in that regard. Um, but I suppose this is on a different level, really, when you're talking about maybe healthcare workers going into healthcare settings for maybe the aged, the elderly, the vulnerable, the immunocompromised. Anyway, keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106 and I'll blast through them. Seamus is standing by. Fast run from Linus. Good morning. Hello, Neil. How are you? You anticipated this, didn't you? Yeah, just a bit, like, you know. <laughs> well, in, in the sense that I remember chatting with you sometime back and I was suggesting that when we get out of this, um, the the real arguments will start as to who is and who isn't vaccinated. Uh, and here we are. And here, yeah. It's like, uh, in my opinion, it's absolutely unacceptable, you know, even to suggest like this, you know, no jab, no no job and, and so, so on, like, you know, because they start from uh, maybe frontline health workers and all this, then maybe teachers, maybe somebody else. Well, maybe. it is teachers as well in New Zealand. Teachers as well. Yeah, teachers as well in New Zealand. Then, then maybe retail, maybe hospitality, maybe uh, guards and uh, and so on. So well, no. Bear, bear in mind now. Um, at the moment, it, the reach is only to public health workers. So it may be guards for sure, but private sector workers. That would be a different ballgame entirely, right? Oh yeah, I know. But but uh, who says? But it's uh, that not gonna continue it's, it's like see like it's everything in this in this pandemic everything is uh given and taken in the small drops 
they they suggest something, they take it a bit back. They suggest something, then we do small small thing, and then then we roll a bigger ball and so on. Like even the, like this everything two weeks to flatten the curve 18 months later uh, we're still in the same thing ah yeah but like come on you know who was to know how long this would have taken I, I, you know? I know yeah but like I mean if, uh, if, if you had your choice we'd have never gone into lockdown there'd be no vaccine there'd be no masks and people would have just got on with their lives oh yeah oh yeah like if, it would be nothing yeah but you, you wouldn't be able, you have no crystal ball to say how that would have worked out you see oh, oh I know yeah but 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 this is my choice like you know and uh, like even even my choice I have no problem like you know to deal with unvaccinated people and uh, e- even if I would go to hospital I don't mind vaccinated unvaccinated doctor looks after me and uh, or or something like you know I really don't have uh, any problem with this Do you ever you come know? across and, any uh, of the people who are very anti-vax over the last 20 months who got very very sick and in some cases they died so it was their families made the plea on their behalf. But let's so say those who were in ICU um, got COVID, never got a vaccine because they were anti-vax, came out of COVID, um, recovered, and begged people to get vaccinated. Maybe. I don't know people like this personally. No, you might not know no, them personally, but you must have read about them. Uh, yeah, but I, I looked through the, all the media and all the... Uh, what you say, newspapers and uh, TVs, like, you know, through very, very thick glasses. And uh, I take very thing, everything with a bit of the sarcasm, okay. like, you know, well, everything what is shown. Okay, they're fake news, those stories, are they? Uh, not exactly fake news, but just uh, pushing only one-sided narrative, like, you know, okay. very strongly. Okay, so you okay, okay then yeah. if you get sick from anything else or break your leg or have an accident, God forbid, you'll be okay then going into a hospital setting with unvaccinated um, medics? Oh, I, I would be okay, but I'm afraid we wouldn't take me because we would say you need to do a COVID test and then you need to get probably jab before you're going to be looked after. Okay. So that's going to be a, a home healing. <laughs> so you would limp away from the A&E rather than do that? Um, yes, definitely. Okay, because so it's irrelevant. So the point that you said, if I ever go to hospital, I would like to be dealt with by an unvaccinated doctor. Is that what you said? Oh, yeah, I said that, and I, I stand by this, okay, you know. Okay, 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 fair okay. play. All right, thank you, Linus. Cheers, Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Yeah. Linus is suggesting there that uh, when this starts, when this ball starts rolling, you can't stop it. Um, yeah, I think it's absolutely disgraceful. I don't know how we've come to this point in a pandemic. All along, the healthcare staff, uh, number one, have we don't know if there's, some have been vaccinated, some have not been vaccinated. And they, you know, these professionals are covered up and doing their best anyway uh, in a a medical environment. You know, it's just very interesting. And a lot of people have spoken about this before as well. Um, Michal Mark sat down and had a sit-down meeting with Macron, the French president, only weeks ago. And a lot of people behind the scenes out in public were talking about it. I wonder, will he be trying to raise the same flag that he rose only weeks ago to the French people, whereby he he had his own health minister, Olivier Varane, uh, tried to, su- to suspend 3,000 health, wor- health workers without pay for refusing a COVID vaccine. And if that's the road we're going down, it's extremely dangerous. It's just, it, you know, it seems to be one narrative being thrown out. And people's do you not want Do you not want to prevent bad COVID getting into nursing homes? Oh, no, I'm all for that. But I'm, uh, you know, at the same time... So would it not help then, say, for instance, playing devil's advocate here, would it not help then by having all healthcare workers or anybody working in a healthcare facility that is the elderly would be vaccinated? No, I, I, in theory, yes, I suppose, but I don't agree with 
you know, putting a gunshot to someone's head saying you must do it or you're out the door or you're sacked. There's too much, uh, there's too many infringements on personal rights taking place now. And I hate to say it, but the fact is, you know, with the commentary made by the, you know, the conspiracy theorists, if you want to call them that, over the last 18 months, a lot of what these people have been saying is coming to fruition now. Like what? I mean, we're at a, po- we're, we're at a point now whereby, you know, if people want to buy into the fact that if you don't take a vaccine, you could lose your job and your livelihood. And all give me, give me a conspiracy theory that's come true. I, I accept we're having a chat about no jab, no job. That could be one of them. What else? Well, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist myself, but conspiracy theorists, as you know, over the last eighteen months, are saying that this is a lot of it's about control. That a lot of our personal rights will eventually be infringed, whereby we'll be forced to be lined up like cattle and take a jab. That's ultimately yes, and that's what's happening at the moment. They may sell you a narrative whereby oh, we're not going to force this; it's your choice. But it's your choice insofar as that, like, if you choose not to, then we'll take out away everything else. That but more like of these controls that you refer to, apart from the guinea pig theory there, which I accept, yeah. uh, all of those, many of those other controls uh, would be lifted on the 22nd of October. Why would they do that if it was about control? And why do they well, want to the control only, us you know, anyway? You know, I don't want to say too much. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people that we don't really know, but a lot of people are saying this. There's a lot of cor- huge corporate entities and organisations involved, whether it be for the reasons of making money or whatever, I don't know. I couldn't tell you that, really, and a lot of people can't either. They're lying on whatever news they stuff that's out there. But taking away the arguments and, you know, the, the cutthroat-like approach of trying to conquer and divide people and make them go with a narrative row against it, I think it's wrong to have people's rights just thrown out the window mm. in terms of choice. There are, you know, nobody's really talking about cancer patients. There are cancer patients at the moment in this country and around the world. And they're being forced effectively to take a vaccine that where they're being advised not to. You know, for whatever reason, the medical and whatnot. You know, it's just, it's, it's just a very dangerous narrative to be going down. Well, papers this morning are saying, papers this morning are saying as well that, um, that pregnant women should get the vaccine um, and... You know that there's a proportion of pregnant women that don't because they have worries about the baby. But they're being told now, uh, you should, um, because um, you'll get very sick if you get it while pregnant. Are you saying we'd be looking at a point where a pregnant woman won't be able to go into the CUMH to give labour unless... Neil, when it comes to pregnant women... She gets vaccinated two weeks before the labour. Do you think a pregnant woman could really trust them and, and, and listen to the words and follow the words of any member of this government that gave them Mr. Stephen Donnelly at the moment? They've been forced to go up and protest heavily pregnant women only last week to have some of their own personal rights reinstated whereby they could have uh, access of the, 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 you know, their partners um, or to their partners while, while giving birth. No, I'm, just giving, I'm just giving you an opportunity to say where, you know, this is personal choice. If it starts with this, it'll roll on for more. Is that what you're saying? That it could be pregnant well, I think women. It, well, you know, if one it could be pregnant could be, women in a healthcare setting. Well, you know, when you're in a healthcare setting, a lot of the doctors, in fact, ninety nine percent of the doctors, if you do go down to the um, the hospitals, they're covered up, they're protected, they have masks. I mean, that, don't forget the narrative originally, only a matter of months ago, was like to wear your mask that will protect you from. Uh, spreading COVID or, or contracting COVID. Now, that's what's been happening in hospitals all along. And why now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we're being used as scapegoats. I'll tell you why. We, we are being used as scapegoats as a test case, basically, for um, radical proposals by governments. Like, Michal Martin, my point here, anyway, is the fact that it's the coincidence, if you want to call it, 
in terms of this flag being flown out, no job, no job. Only weeks ago, Michal Martin had a sit-down with Macron okay, here. Yeah, that's uh, what Macron, only weeks before he arrived here for a sit-down, uh, for whatever reason, I think, there were other bigger issues. And did the French slap Macron back on that then, did it? They did. Well, yeah, okay. they had a, they're in the middle of mass protests around France, which you won't see on RTE, because they don't want you to know about it, but okay. they are in the middle of mass protests in France and in and around Paris and other big cities in, okay. in, in, uh, in France. Three te- their, their own Minister for Health turned around and talked about draconian measures. He suspended 3,000 healthcare staff. Like, what would that do? But at the moment, we have healthcare staff who should be working on the front line who've been redeployed into different roles. God only knows what they're doing when they should be at the front line of healthcare. Because yeah, they're not do you vaccinated. Trust this government in terms of what they're doing in, in terms of healthcare, do you trust this government in terms of what? I don't trust any of the governments for the past thirty or forty years go. when it comes to healthcare. Why? Because the record speaks for itself. Uh, because of the way, because we have of one million people on waiting lists in this country. It's not even a joke anymore. It's going to get serious as this population gets older. All right. Living in this space. We got calls on the way. Thank you for that, Hi. Seamus. Uh, John standing by. Tess is standing by. I hope that Tom can hold on. Just give me about two minutes, Tom. Back to you in a second. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And you can pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Tom, good morning. Hi, Neil. Morning, Tom. Um, you are uh, an unvaccinated HSC worker. Is that right? That's correct, Neil. Okay. Yeah. Is that is that in the healthcare side of it, or is it admin or another area, or what? Uh, it's in the healthcare. Side. Okay, okay. So, what is what is your thoughts with regards to your job? No jab, no job. So, so I suppose Neil. So, first of all, I work very hard, and I, in my opinion, I work very good at what I do. Um, so, Neil, I really, I really think we need to start questioning the whole narrative of it. Um, so, like, there's two pieces to it. So, first of all, I'm driving home yesterday, and I listen on the news, and it comes out on Matt Cooper. Um, just no job or no job no job no job yeah um, like what what am I supposed to do there Neil you know like like, where's the concern for my emotional and mental health like I go I go home yesterday I can't sleep because I don't know if I'm going to have a job in the next few months or not like wh- where's the consideration for it, it, it you know? just just as a by the way this is all Current staff within healthcare, isn't it? It's not. Yeah. It's not new hires. It's all those no. in existing jobs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, well, to be honest with you, I don't know. But like, uh, what I do know is, I know that I'm being threatened, and I'm being coerced into. If you do not take this, you're going to lose your job. No, it is all existing workers, all Irish healthcare workers. Yeah. And if I'm if I'm going to lose my job, Neil, and I work in a specialised area within the health service. What am I supposed to do? Like, where am I supposed to get employed? How am I supposed to feed my family? Okay, I can come back to that in a second. I just have a question for you here. Are you therefore one of the unvaccinated HSE workers uh, who've been redeployed to a different role? No, my work situation has been assessed where it seems to be safe. Okay, so is it, can I I ask you, does that mean that you're dealing directly with patients? I'm, de- I'm dealing directly with service users, is what we'd call them. Well, yeah, but are they ill? Are they ill? Well, I suppose they're, um, uh, I, I would probably say emotionally and mentally unwell. Okay, thank you for that. Okay, so nobody yeah. has said to you, we need to redeploy you to, um, for want of a better term, 
background. Oh, back, well, as a matter of fact, I was told that. As a matter of fact, I was told that. I was told that I was going to be redeployed, but then I was told two days later that I wasn't going to okay. be redeployed and because I wasn't considered high risk. And is it true that others? Is it true that others were redeployed? I, I don't know. Okay. Okay. I, I, I honestly don't know within the within my organisation, my section of the organisation. I don't know. Okay, because apparently, apparently there were uh, many thousands of them. Yeah. And so, but what is my, your my my, my, my my point is 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 like what am I supposed to do? Like I've been threatened with this idea of no job, no job. So that like keep in mind that's a threat, that's coercion. That that's that's what these people are engaging in. They're threatening us. Now, we talk about anti-vaxxers. I was called an anti-vaxxer last week. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm anti-coercion. I'm anti-being threatened. I'm anti-being bribed. I'm anti-all of those things. I'm pro-choice. Just like we passed a referendum three years ago in this country based on pro-choice. Yeah. Pro-choice to be applicable to this. Yeah. Um, who, who, do, who do these people... But wasn't it, wasn't, yeah. it about, wasn't it about keeping each other safe? When when has it ever been anybody's responsibility to keep another person's health? When when you can make them, I would suggest when you can make them very sick. I work I work in a section of the health service where we promote self responsibility. We we promote that. That's that's the basis of the work that I do about being responsible for yourself. But isn't and that a bit like saying I I you know I can drive at one hundred and fifty kilometers an hour. No bother because I I'm much more responsible than most people who can't do that. Like responsibility only goes yeah, so that's far. Just dragging me into uh, you know a comparison. No, but it, no. I'm, listen, it doesn't seem relevant to me. To be well, honest, I, may, may, maybe it's not. But like it's it's my job to challenge people, you know, and that's all, that's all I'm doing. Like, but you, challenging me with analogy that makes no sense to me. No, it's, I mean, personal responsibility only goes so far in the real world. I mean, you could be in an outdoor, you could be in a, a, outside of a healthcare facility going about your life. You could be in supermarkets, pubs, yeah. restaurants, chatting with friends. Um, what kind of precautions would you take then? So, so, so I, I would honestly say, since this whole thing has begun, I've curbed my life. You've curbed your life? I, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And do, you, my life. and do you want it to always be that way? Well, I mean to say, Neil, like, I, I, I mean to say, again, again, I say we need to question the narrative. So we talk about false information. Keep in mind that Tony Houlihan in July of this year, or June of this year, told us that there was going to be hundreds of thousands of cases and there was going to be thousands upon thousands of deaths. Michal Martin went on uh, RTE News and said the Delta variant will rip through the unvaccinated. This is false information. This is incorrect. Numbers went up, all right, but nothing by no, what they were I, suggesting. You're, yeah, you're right there. Well, I remember that. Yeah. I remember thinking, Mother of God, what's ahead? Yeah, you know. Exactly. Where is the accountability? Now, let's also go further with this, Neil. Let's also go to last year when Leo Varadkar came on 6-1 News, and he came on the 6-1 News, but it never came on the 9 o'clock news, and he basically said that a lot of the deaths were not confirmed as COVID. They were wrote off as COVID, but were not COVID. Yeah. So we need to question the, the stats to it. Now, there's other things as well, Neil. I mean, to say we need to look at the likes of Event 201. Do you know what Event 201 is? Yeah, I do, and I've dealt with that a lot, you know. I understand where you're going with that one. I wish I had more time to even deal with that. But 
you know, it, so there's a, there's, there's a so, you, you, so this is about control, is it, uh, by, uh, uh, on a world scale? And then we have another one, an ID2020, Neil. Do you know what that one was about? No. It was about the universal identification system for the world's population. You know, I need, you know, I need to get a pub. Do you know that I need to get a public service card? If I don't get a public service card, I can't renew my driving license. Um, That's correct. If I don't get this public service card, which is apparently, as far as I can see, mandatory now, I can't renew my passport. Is this the kind of control you're talking about? Absolutely. 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 And I mean to say, why are, I mean to say, in in terms of, uh, I mean to say, family members who have had COVID, they've recovered. I mean, ah, well, not all, not all of them, not all of them. Um, so, so I said I have had family members that have had COVID. Ah, yes. and they have we, all know, we all know people who recovered from COVID, but we all know, well, I do anyway, I know people who died from COVID. You know? I, I don't. Yeah, well. I don't. So, so the other thing then is, is, is to keep in mind in the sense of this all started, and the last person mentioned two weeks to flatten the curve. I mean, to say, you say, oh, they didn't know. But we expect these people to know. And ivermectin. There's no conversations about ivermectin. In my in, 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 in my experience, in my knowledge, India is pretty much free of COVID as a result of ivermectin. Mm, ivermectin would be too cheap, would it? Well, I mean to say, listen, Neil, I'm faced with it. If I take the jab, then I can get to sleep at night. If well, if you take the jab, you can keep. You're saying your roof over your head, pay your mortgage, and put food on the table. Over my head, and if I if I don't, I can't keep the roof over my head. I can't get to sleep. I didn't sleep last night, Neil. So what are you going to do? What can I do? These people are monsters. These people are monsters. They're absolutely, they don't care. They have an agenda but, and they're going to push this agenda. But did, no you ever, did you ever sit down and look at the worldwide deaths and the worldwide infections? And, you, you know, unfortunately, many people died, but enough people got very, very sick and suffered with long COVID and spent yeah. weeks in ICU and were really, really yeah. ill. I mean, you, you referenced India there, 34 million cases in India and half a million deaths. Yeah, yeah. So, and keep in mind, I, I, so, 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 so compare that to, to, to flus. They compare that to TB. And let me just remind you, Neil, if the World Health Organization and the World Health Facilities were so worried about people dying, we wouldn't have a child dying every 13 seconds in the world. Yeah, I every take, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I take that point. There's a child dies because, do you know why they die, Neil? I tell you, they die because they have no food. Something that you and me, we pretty much throw out every day at the end of our plate. No food, but no yeah, water, no medicines. People's yeah. health. Okay. That we, don't, we fail to see this. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do? I, I don't know, Neil, to be honest with you. I, Le- I, 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 I know I'm in a specialised area. I know that if they come along and say, no jab, no jab, I won't get the jab. I will not be coerced. I will not be threatened into doing something. I'm a healthy person, Neil. I'm an so, extremely healthy so person. So you will leave the job? Oh, well, you'll be fired, I guess. I'll be fired. I won't leave the job. I'll be fired. Okay, okay. I'll be fired. 
Okay, uh, Tom, stay in touch. Thanks for coming on. Do appreciate it. Text 0868104106. Just with reference to uh, ivermectin and India, 18,000 cases in India in the last 24 hours. Um, and somebody's suggesting here that Tom said there's no COVID in India now due to ivermectin. Invermectin, uh, that's false news. Um, he's spouting fake news. Thank you for that. Text 0868104106. My apologies to a caller standing by. We'll pick it up after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And by text, uh, Anne-Marie says, what happened to it being our choice? I, it'll still be, I'll be still be breastfeeding when I return to work and I refuse to take the vaccine for that very reason. Uh, Kate says, absolutely, 100% disagree with this. No jab, no job. Uh, I'm fully vaccinated, but nobody should be forced to take something they don't want to for whatever reason. Stephen says, I personally have no issue with the vaccine and I have taken it, but I do respect everyone's choice and nobody should be forced to take anything. And one final one, Teresa says, it seems a bit extreme for just 10% of the adult population left to be vaccinated. Or are we being lied to about those numbers? Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. No jab, no job at the moment. We're talking about um, um, people working within uh, healthcare. And uh, in New Zealand, it's slightly different because it's healthcare and teachers must be fully vaccinated in the coming weeks in New Zealand to keep their jobs. Here they're talking about in a healthcare uh, scenario. Uh, at the moment, many people who are in healthcare that aren't vaccinated have been redeployed to other jobs. Karen, good morning. Hello, how are you? Karen's a medical student. I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Go ahead. Um, I was just listening this morning. I'm actually on my way to, to a placement now. Okay. Um, I thought it would be like important to say, like even before we're allowed to go on the wards, we have to get our vaccines. And if we're not vaccinated, we're not allowed on the wards. And that's from a patient safety perspective. You know, like when you go into healthcare, the biggest thing that you're taught is do no harm. And you take this role on with the duty of care to your patients. And I think that's just really important, like, to remember as a healthcare worker, your duty is always to your patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that people are, I don't know, have lost sight of a little bit. Like, the reason that we're doing this is that so people don't end up in ICUs. Like, I've been on placement through COVID, seeing people at the end of their lives because of this virus. You know, and, like, the people in the hospitals, my boyfriend works 17 hours a day in, um, in the hospital trying to keep people alive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. I understand, like, if you have a medical reason for not getting the vaccine, absolutely, like, that's completely understandable and you will get signed off that you're medically ined- ineligible for a vaccine. But if you're eligible and you're able to take one, you know, it's a privilege to look after these patients and I think well, that should be remembered. What about all members of Irish society being able to follow their conscience um, and, you know, having their civil rights protected that, you know, nobody can put... Um, a needle in their arm without their permission. I understand that, and like no one's forcing you into a chair, but I think it's just important to remember, like you're in healthcare, you have a duty of care to protect you and those around you that mm. you get the vaccine. Mm. Do you, do you yeah. wonder then why there is a proportion of healthcare frontline workers who won't? Is it that they don't? Is it they don't believe in vaccines? No, and I, I don't think it's that. I think it's more the argument. Like one of the the gentlemen on earlier was saying that like. 
he he the reason he wasn't going to take the vaccine was because he didn't want to be coerced into it. And I complete I understand that, but at the same time you're in healthcare, you have a duty of care to your patients, so shouldn't that come above that? You know but where I mean? would it like, but where a, but where would that end then? Let's say it's rolled out to guards next and then uh, you know, bus drivers or anyone that's employed in the public sector that's dealing with the public, and then it slips into uh, the into the private sector. You're okay with well, all of that? No, but I am very much only speaking from the perspective of those of us who are in healthcare Do no and harm. Yeah. spend our spend spend our days with patients. I just think it's very important to remember that you sign up for this job and you have a duty of care to those around you. And you go in every morning and your job is to protect those patients and they have a trust and a faith in us to protect them. And is this a topic of conversation amongst people in healthcare at the moment, do you think? Is there like a back and forth, robust debate about it with your friends? I think it's more a case um, that we're all just trying to get through it um, and protect patients to the best of our ability. Um, I don't think we really have time to be focusing on... um, political debate at the moment it's yes. just, there's too much going on getting on with your job which I'll allow you to do I'll let you get on thanks Karen appreciate thank you taking the much. call thank, thank you, you. Jim's on line one you too Jim good morning good morning Neil how are you I'm good so what certainly isn't sustainable is the fact that you would have uh, quite a number of healthcare workers who've been redeployed at the moment and uh, we need them at the front line you know but anyway your thoughts you were very sick weren't you yeah, um, three weeks after I get in. Uh, first of all, I, I'm not trying to influence anybody, you know, my, my, my comments. Uh, everybody knows their own body, and I'm just telling them what happened to me. Toward the sec- after the second job in the AstraZeneca, about three weeks after, I felt really awful. Really awful. But anyway, I kept going. I, it never stopped me eating. I, like, I, I had energy, but there was a sickness inside me that I couldn't describe. So one day I went into my local pharmacist. I was collecting a prescription, and she looked at me and she said, "How are you keeping?" I said, "Yeah, I, I'm okay." She said, "You you got the second jab?" And I said, "I did." She said, "How are you feeling?" And I said, "Look, I I feel horrible." She said, "Would you mind?" She said, "She noticed something in me, Neil. You know." Yeah. She said, "Do you mind coming to the waiting room here?" She said, "And I'll just check your blood pressure," which she did. No. Yeah. I I have no understanding of blood pressure and what what's high and what's low. I just don't. But she checked it three times and she was absolutely shocked. And she said, I'm concerned, she said. Now, for anybody that's medically kind of um, educated, my blood pressure was 199 over 109. This high. Um, she was absolutely shocked. She said, stay there, she said, and don't move. She left the room and she came back. She said... Um, Look, your doctor's not there today, so what I'll do, she said, I'll contact Southdoc. She'd done all this on, on her own behalf. She, you know what I mean? She was, she was absolutely brilliant. So she took the reading again and it was slightly down, but that, that's what blood pressure apparently does. It goes up and it goes down, and just when you're nervous and it gets higher, that's what they tell me. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. So anyway, to make a long story short, um, the Southdoc... Uh, issued um, uh, a blood pressure tablet, a second blood pressure tablet. I was on one, and he p- p- issued a second. But even to this day, Neil, now I get checked reg- fairly regular now. My blood pressure is fine. Even to this day, I still have that sickness, and I'm attributing that sickness to the and what is, to the vaccine. And what is the sickness? Like, how do you feel? 
I, I cannot describe it. I, I just don't feel right. It seems to be a burning inside me. It's a burning inside me. And, and, and uh, look, I, it, but it never stopped me eating or walking. I do a pile of walking. It never, it never affected my energy. But it's just that there's something there, you know? Now, um, How do you know it has anything at all to do with the vaccination? Well, I, 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 it, it came, it came a couple of weeks after the vaccine, vaccination, uh, and and um, that it, like it, I, I'd say, look, I, everybody knows their own body, and I, 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 I would be ninety percent sure it, it is this. No blood, but what, but but it's it's a GP or or somebody would need to do tests to find out if it yes. is. Bloods were taken, and everything came back clear. But. You see, what people don't realize is so we're injecting something into our body and we're not sick. It's to prevent sickness. Our immune system is attacking this thing that's been injected into the body. This is only my opinion, Neil. I, right. I, I'm not trying to... And on, that, and on that basis, you're not inclined to go for a booster shot, no, is it? What, what, what I'm afraid of, if, like, like that gentleman was on the bill, uh, uh, which you, he was saying, no jab, no job. And like that, that's a horrible scenario to be in. And I, 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 only my own opinion, Neil, I would not... I would not take a booster tomorrow morning if I was instructed. No way would I take it. I don't care. Mm. And I think I think it's a people's right. I think it's a people's right. And the government, look, they're doing their best. I know that. I know people. So have you done. have a, an elderly parent then in a healthcare facility or a nursing home uh, being uh, treated or looked after by an unvaccinated worker. You're okay with that? I I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. Remember, remember. Or a, people, or a child with leukemia or a blood disorder. Or not, not at all. I'm not okay with that. But, but like when you when you say not vaccinated, when you get the two vaccines, you're vaccinated. All they're saying is it is a booster. But like remember the people, the poor, the poor misfortunates in signing homes that's living and died with COVID, right? Did that was brought in to those people. That was brought in by by the, the fantastic medical workers that we have in our system, but but they they were the very first people that should have been vaccinated. The medical workers, the carers, oh, they sure. should have been done very first. Yeah, and we know that they were going yeah. they were going into old folks' home, and and you know what? Because half is through that nearly three quarters way through the pandemic, well, and we and we, and we know all of that. But we are where we're at now, where they're at least thinking yeah. about and possibly may decide to implement no jab, no job for healthcare workers on the front line. You're against that, but you're also against people being unvaccinated, dealing with the elderly in a nursing home. So which is it? Well, you see, look, no matter what I'm going to say, it won't be right. But I, I do know we need we need to get medical workers and and God be good to like only farm, we wouldn't have got through this. But like, no matter what I say, Neil, this won't be okay. right. But this is—I'm only giving my own opinion. You won't you know? go for the booster on the basis of the reaction you had. For the I, okay. I would not, and that's only me. I, I, I'm not trying to push it on anybody. Everybody is the one choice. But in my scenario, it did affect me, and all my bloods came back clear. Thank God. I, but I still feel some days like dirt. Honest to God, because 
that's I think that's the effect that had me. Okay, okay. And you believe it was the vaccine and not coincidental or the circle of life or getting that little bit older. You believe that this was as a result of being vaccinated. Yeah. Getting, getting a little bit, bit older uh, and being healthy is, 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 is a very hard thing to, to, to keep it in motion. But um, you do your best. You look okay. after yourself as, as well as you can. Okay. But okay. I, I, do, I, do know, I do know this didn't, this didn't do any good to me. Okay, my man. Thank you as always. Thank you, Jim. Uh, text 0868104106. Again, it may, may not be vaccine related. And uh, I know he says he's been to the GP and had bloods done and they've all come back clear. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. And you can text 0868104106 with regards to public service cards. See a lot of text coming on on this. Yes, you can renew your passport online without a public service card. Now, when you don't need the public service card, you can make an appointment and go in for the license. It's only uh, to do it online. Uh, you only need a public service card if applying only to renew your license and your passport. Uh, I would imagine this is the same with the passport. To, to apply online, you need the P, the public service card, but you can use Passport Express without it. Isn't it even more confusing? With regards to renewing passports and driving licenses, I have to do both, and I'd like to clarify the statement as to whether it's accurate or not. My understanding of it is from an email that I received from a chap who said, I have a problem that I hope somebody can clarify for me. I received a letter from the NDLS today stating that my driving license is up for renewal on the 21st November and that I must have a public service card and a verified MyGov ID account. I must have. I wasn't even aware that I needed a PSC card anyway. So I duly opened my MyGov account, rang Abbey Courthouse for an appointment for the PSC card. Well, here's what happened. Abbey Courthouse said there was a backlog of months but that I, would, that I could book online through the NDLS and if I renew in person, I wouldn't need the card. So I went to the NDLS website to book my license renewal appointment, only to be told, visit mygov.ie to apply for a booking, where I was told I needed a PSC card. It was like being on a merry-go-round. I then said I'd try to get an appointment for the card elsewhere, so I rang Middleton, uh, and they could give me a date for the 20th of October, so I was relieved. But that was short-lived when I was told that I was from the city and I'd have to contact Abbey Court House. So I was back to the start again. People had to, people that had their license dates extended only went as far as August, but I'm in November. I won't get any extension, so my question is, what can I do? Uh, can you help me get a PSC card or an appointment to renew my license without it? I'm stressed out. Uh, please don't give up my details. Kind regards. I rang um, uh, and Googled all of this yesterday and ended up uh, trying to get some clarification by getting on to Abbey Courthouse. And I rang the phone number um, and I was told, I was given the message, there's a high volume of calls, etc., etc., etc. And I waited and I waited and I waited. And they kept re- they keep repeating the same message, this warning over and over again about fraud uh, and about, um, you know, not sticking on links or not giving out personal details and over and over and over again. So after maybe 10 or 15 minutes, I'd had enough of it. So obviously, um, they must be completely and utterly backed up. That's why they're saying Abbey Courthouse said there was a backlog of months. So perhaps it's, uh, so I will get to the bottom of it, but um, imagine that, that that the wording should be a public services card can be used as documentation for lots of services as opposed to a public services card must be used Um so it's all it's all re- reason, relatively new to me. But he was saying that you know may, maybe the whole idea of a public services card is that y- you would need something like that 
to engage online, you know, for fraud and impersonation or, um, you know, people stealing your identity or whatever, that this would protect you against that. But that if it was in-person renewals and things like that, uh, that maybe your existing passport might do or indeed maybe your existing um, identification, like uh, maybe a driving license. So that's as much as I know about it. But the public services card they're saying is a handy card to have if you're renewing, say, um, if you're doing the driver theory test or going for a driving license or if you are renewing or applying for a passport uh, or indeed if you're checking claims with the um, Department of Employment or Social Affairs or you're engaging with social services for payments and what have you. Uh, but I will return to that. Um, I, I just wondered really, was it going to ever going to be a case where these things would be mandatory? From what he was saying in the email, it, it appeared to him as if it was mandatory. So I'll return to that. But your thoughts on it are welcome. Text 0868104106 on no jab, no job. Uh, I'm at work, so I can't come on air, but I'm listening to your show on the radio and I think it's a joke that there's a no jab, no job policy. I'm fully vaccinated, but I don't judge anyone uh, on who doesn't want to get the vaccine. Uh, now you have to get the vaccine to get the job. Well, not just that, but get the vaccine to keep the job. What about your body, your choice? They're a bunch of bloody hypocrites, says Andrew. I definitely agree to no jab, no job. Healthcare worker myself, and it's essential to protect the patient and yourself. Good morning. I'm a clinical healthcare provider in a city hospital. I 100% believe I have a duty of care to protect the patients that I meet on shift. I don't refuse the flu. I don't refuse the hepatitis jab. Why would I refuse the COVID vaccine? Preventing a condition from worsening and preserving life should be our goal. I'm at work, so can't come on air. Um, that's what the medical student was saying just after 10, uh, that the oath really is to do no harm. Shiona says, I, it's just so sad some people have become so subservient to this pandemic and will not move on. You have to move on. It will always be there, as will the flu. Um, get that guy off the air. I wouldn't like this guy taking care of me in his medical facility. All he is is another conspiracy theorist with his Facebook degree in medicine and autoimmune science. That's regarding the chap who works within the psychiatric sector of healthcare. Nobody wanted to get the vaccine, but we got it to stay safe. Your man is talking crap. Uh, what happens if doctors and GPs don't accept having to get the vaccine? And they're ta- talking about increasing free GP care to the under eight. Uh, another one here then, you should talk to Luke O'Neill or some scientist on air instead of listening to soapbox ranting. People who have no respect for science seemingly is the theme yet again. Keep politics out of the vaccine debate, please. And maybe one or two more. I work in the HSE also. That man should be fired uh, working within the HSE. All about him, him, him. It's absolutely disgusting. COVID is about protecting others, not himself. They're extremely vulnerable people using the services. That man is a complete anti-vaxxer and selfish. Actually, you know what? Those texts remind me of 20 months ago. I know we're having a different conversation now. It's no jab, no job. But there's a lot of similarities to 20 months ago. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. And I will will return to it. Meanwhile, um, I got a very lengthy and emotional email from Tess, but rather than read it out on air, because it's quite lengthy, she joins me by phone. Tess, good morning. Morning, Neil. Um, and I have to commend you, actually, because uh, it's, it's, it's an incredibly powerful email that you sent on your behalf, but more importantly, on behalf of your son, who suffers from spina bifida, is non-verbal, non-ambulant, doubly incontinent, and has intractable epilepsy. He suffers and has continued to suffer from multiple seizures a day since he was 11 months old. 
and was prescribed by your neurologist uh, CBD oil. This is different now to medicinal cannabis. The CBD oil doesn't contain the THC. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's an antoxic food supplement. And you you started um, with that treatment of CBD oil on a daily basis? Uh, we started with this on the in 2019 in February, and it's made such a huge difference to Darren's overall health. Um, Darren's epilepsy—it's driven by pain or infection. If you know, if he gets an infection, and because he's spina bifida, he just—he'd get multiple urinary tract infections. So um, the consultants. Um, opinion at the time was if we could improve his immune system we'd control his infections and that's exactly what happened um he had no this he's currently in cuh this is his second admission in two years and is that is that a lot better is that a lot better than it used to be he would he would have i suppose approximately five admissions into any year and you know it's so from it's, it's not it's not just the admission, it's the it's what he goes through when he's in there, you know. It's yeah. the seizures, it's the IV trips, it's the IV antibiotics, it's the it's the danger he's yes, in the life threatening situations that he is in. Okay, so from um, five a year yeah. to one a year, but it's cost you twenty thousand euro personally. Roughly, yeah. Yeah. Like, what is a month's supply? A month's supply. Darren is on, he's on five bottles a month and each each bottle is 129 euro. That's so, 645 euro a month that you have to find. Yeah. And you've got a 10% now, me, discount on that. I did, but I'm, I'm not ringing about the cost. I'm ringing about the rationale behind government decisions to not allow people that badly need this to take it. You know, I'm I'm speaking about the the red tape and the bureaucracy that prevents prevents people that have that suffer all their life from it's, being it's, able to avail e- of something that clearly works from a consultant. But it's quite know. easy now to get um, C B D oil, isn't it? Oh you can order like you can you you it's, you can get CBD oil anywhere. Yeah. Now, I deal with the hemp company in Dublin. That's who Darren's consultant recommended. Right. And they are the most reputable company. Um, they're, they're absolutely brilliant. All their staff are very knowledgeable. But is it not a case that you, you feel you shouldn't have to pay for it yourself? No, I shouldn't have to pay. Yeah. No, My point is, why do they continue to make... To send them into hospitals, to put them through a health system that costs the exchequer a fortune when a consultant is telling them, my patient is doing very well. I know. And listen, you just describe what what each hospital visit and hospital stay is like. The amount of work that goes into the treatment and the cost of it all. A fully disabled man and a hospital trolley meal, like, it's heartbreaking, you know. Darren, he can't walk, he can't talk, he can't say how he's feeling. You know, unless there's someone there 24 hours a day, you know, these people would just be 
skate, really. I yeah. mean, I've no other word to say for it. And, and the seizure started in his first year. Do you mind me asking, like, how old is he now? He's 28 right, next so month. A grown man mm-hmm. in a hospital trolley is right, yeah. yeah. And like, hospitalizations for Darren is intermittent catheterization five times a day. You try and do that with dignity and respect on a hospital trolley. I know. You know, know. it's it's just and, absolutely um, heartbreaking. And was there absolutely. was there an incredible improvement in his conditions, yeah? Neil, there was a ninety five percent improvement. And Darren's consultant will stand over that. Right. The HSE had that in writing. And that's been maintained, has it? He, over time, he hasn't started to go back around. This is consistent. Well, he he went back basically because I thought that Darren might be able to cope with a, a lesser amount a lesser of CBD. Okay. So he would have been on 33 drops twice a day. So I was trying to find a therapeutic level and I requested, not his consultant, I requested that, you know, could we start maybe bringing it down a little bit? Why? To see if he could... It was so expensive, really. Right. It's, it's so expensive. I know, I know. So, I suppose... The choices way, you have to make, I know. Darren is in there because... because of cost. Did you write, I believe you did, to... Um... I have every email, I have every application. Michal Martin didn't give me the courtesy of a reply. Uh, Michael McGrath, our, our Cork politicians, didn't give me the courtesy of a reply. One of the applications got lost somewhere along the line. It had to be resent, and I'm just getting the same mantra. This is not recognised, this is a food supplement, and the HSE do not recognise this as a treatment. When our consultants are quite categorically saying, this has worked for Darren, this has been his... His medical history since he went on it. So you know, did you talk to did you talk to Gino Kenny? He stands up on the dollar. Yeah, a lot on. I phoned Gino Kenny, and Gino Kenny phoned me back within ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, doesn't surprise me. And there's the difference now, Neil. I have to say, I would never have considered voting Sinn Fein, but they will be getting my number one vote. Because they have the they have the courtesy and the respect to come back. To have people. Sinn Fein a policy on this? As Gino Kenny said, that if Sinn Gino Fein are in the next government, yeah, as you know, Gino Kenny was one of the with Tumi, yeah. you know. All no, that. But I'm, I know, yeah. But I'm just curious as to whether or not uh, it's a Sinn Fein policy in the next government. Let's say if they are in the next government, that they will change a CBD oil from a food supplement to medicine. I. Would hope so. I, I, I can't say. I, I don't know their policies yet. But do other um, countries um, uh, listed and provide provided on the on the health within the health system? But like Neil, my consultant told me, and actually an intern that was on over the weekend in the hospital told me that they have patients on CBD that are being reimbursed. So the HSE are. You know, they're making one law for one and, you know... Why is it selective? Do you know another. why it's selective? And, and you have to spend €645 Euro a month? I don't know. You don't know? I, I don't know. Like, alternative medicine has helped Darren all his life. All his life. 
you know, I do an awful lot of stuff alternatively with him, which which helps him, you know. You did apply to the HSC a couple of years ago. Um, I did. And your application was rejected. Rejected, yeah. And, 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 and you know, when, oh, you, when, oh. you, you, when you talk about, you know, the conditions that Darren has, what kind of improvements? He's, he's that bit retract infections. He's spinal bifida, so, uh, you know, he would be prone to multiple kidney infections because he has intermittent catheterization. There's, well, you know, a foreign body being introduced into his bladder five times a day. Yeah, what about the so, epilepsy and the seizures? Way down, Neil. Way down. You see, if he doesn't get infection, he doesn't get seizures. He always ultimately ends up in a hospital from an inf- where he gets the infection and the pain of the infection drives the seizures. And the five times a, five times a year then in hospital would be, God, that could be 10 days, couldn't it? It could, it could be 10, 10 to 14 days. Like, where... Where's the reason behind this? You know, where is the rationale behind the cost and the suffering of putting a totally vulnerable person into hospital as opposed to listening to to the professionals and the doctors that say we have a solution mm. to both? Mm. Mm. Where is it? Um. So I understand much of the improvements you talk in his life. Did his did his communication skills improve in any way? No, unfortunately, Darren had a, he had brain surgery when he was eleven months old, and it left him profoundly brain damaged. Right. Yeah. But he's he's like his overall demeanour is you know when he's well, he's very happy. He's sitting in his chair and he's smiling and he's engaged and he's eating and. You know, he's... Much of um, that would not have been happening before the CBD oil? Uh, not with infection and pain, no. no. Yeah, yeah, I know. No. I understand. I understand 100%. I really do. Like, he has had, I don't know, maybe... He's much better now. He's due to be discharged today, but... Um, for 72 hours, he didn't sleep with seizures. He couldn't sleep. You, you, must know, feel, he, yeah, you must feel a bit guilty about that, but what can you do, you know? I know, I know. 20 grand so far. And how do you find the 645 a month? Well, I work full-time, Neil. I'm a social care worker. Um, I work 48 hours a week. I I work, basically. I mean, you'd, if it was, you'd find anything for your child, you know, you'd, you'd just do so you can't be just a food supplement if it's having those kind of effects, positive effects on a person. It's an awful lot more than that. Well, according to our politicians, it is. Yeah, so I'd be, I'd be, uh, I'd be, I'd be chatting. Be having me home yes. Yeah, no, I won't be having him on today. I'll be having him on tomorrow. Um, yes. and, and I will, no, I will make that point on your behalf. I will. And I will, I will quote him a couple of paragraphs from your lengthy email. Some of the email actually talks about, you know, you are real frontline as a social care worker, like many thousands of doctors and nurses and carers and porters and paramedics and supermarket staff and pharmacists. Um, but you do and have I an issue. You have a lot of people there. I left out the party. Yeah. I left out the lorry drivers. I left out the people who who kept our food chain. But going. you have a bother with those um, who might be rewarded as part of this one billion euro spend to reward people who sat in the safety of their homes 
under no threat while people like my beautiful son suffer to score votes in an upcoming election. Yeah. I do have absolute issue with that. I I would have always have admired Alan Kelly. Um but I heard him speaking with Pat Kenny last week about Pat Kenny was trying to tie him down to who should get a bonus. Now I don't believe anyone should get a bonus. We all did our jobs but you know, there's so much more need and want in the health service but you know, Ellen Kelly couldn't definitively say. No, they know? can't because they don't know where to draw the line on it to say. So where does it end? They have a billion to spend now and, you know, they won't worry about our elderly in our nursing homes. They, you would they prefer, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they won't worry about the cancer patients that are waiting to have their operations. They won't worry about the elderly, the sick, but they will reward one for all indiscriminately for votes. Okay, I will make that point on, on your behalf, but I will need later to check other countries and what their role and, and how they deal with CBD oil, whether there are countries sure. out there, whether there are countries that don't regard it anymore as a food supplement and whether there are countries out there that reimburse uh, families and users, you know? Well, Ireland has reimbursed families and users. Yes, but, and but you, you applied and failed. I did. I have all the emails I can send them to you. Right. Okay, and um, you don't, you can't just sum up the reason they gave for the failure, can you? It's not recognised and not reimbursable. But why then know? did a consultant tell you that? Um, uh, but uh, but uh, where is it here? Consult the advice. The HSE has funded and refunded his patients who benefit from this therapy once they meet the prescribing criteria. They're saying your yeah, son not, doesn't, is it? Not alone. My son does meet the prescribing criteria, but. You see, there's CBD oil and there's medical cannabis that contains the, the THC. My argument is the CBD oil is working for Darren. Yes. That medical cannabis access program, despite all the all the, the cover on it, isn't fully available for consultants yet to prescribe. So did your consultant ever say that Darren should move to um, medicinal cannabis with THC? He said that the very minute it's available for him to prescribe, Darren will be on it, and I trust my consultant implicitly. Okay, but if he were on that, wouldn't he get that money? Wouldn't you get that money back? If he was on the medical cannabis, yes, I don't think so because it was it's CBD oil that he's on, not medical okay, cannabis, all right. and okay. they don't recognise that. Okay. Let me let me make those points later on. Um, I think he'll kick to touch on it. I imagine he'll just quote the food supplement and not recognised as a medical treatment. But I'm happy to I'm happy to make the pose the question on your behalf. I mean, yeah, that would be. It must great. be it must be harrowing for you though. It really must. It's got to be harrowing. Yeah, harrowing. Yeah, Thanks. I'm I'm fighting for Darren since he was four years old. I've I've been dragged through the high court for services for him. You know, services that were agreed by the HSE. Um, in the High Court and that have been withdrawn, which I can't get any answers to. You must be worn out from it. I have, Darren is, you know, the, he has no service at the moment. He's he's not back in school. He's he's not doing anything. He's fully vaccinated and he's sitting in a house with no service. Where are we at with the Cope Foundation services? Are they open, closed? We don't know because we can't get any answers. I've asked, I've contacted managers up in Cope for day services why can't he go to school he's fully vaccinated 
boys in the pool open so he can get his hydrotherapy. They don't even answer, Neil. Like, they don't even answer. Who are the people looking after our disabled? Mm, mm, mm. Why are they allowed to do that? You know? They don't even answer. I know. I know. Bounce back emails. I'm out of the office. I'll root out your file. But nothing happens. Swimming pool is closed. There's, you know, there's a manager over every area up in Cope in today's services. Maybe you'll phone them and ask them for me. I can, I can certainly, we can certainly make calls at midday. Let's do all of that and lots more besides. Okay, uh, I'll listen, give you names and numbers. I'll be back to you and I will pose that question. Can I just say, um, just following during our conversation, uh, a very emotional uh, listener called in and wanted to offer uh, €2,000 towards the uh, cost of the um, CBD oil. I'm very thankful for that, Neil, but... And I, I don't want to. It's not about this. It's about, it's about the people who make decisions on and behalf this is, of people I, this was, that don't. This was not a. That, that's not what this conversation was about. But it would be remiss of me not to mention it to you. Thank uh, you so much. But this, this is about the people that make decisions about sick people that are fully aware of their the therapeutic benefits of a treatment. And that are denying it. I hear you. That's I hear you. you know, I'm not on to get. You know, I'm not on for money. Oh, sure, um, I know. I know. I'm I, and I know that. But that's just an example of people. That, who are, having you know, said that, if I got this refunded, I could work cut down my working hours, and I know that I could pay for this for another two years for Darren. You know, but you need to ask the you politicians. Must be tired. Why are they not listening? Yeah. Why are they not listening to? the doctors. Okay, okay. I hate to call Why you... A, they're I, not listening yeah. to the doctors. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I hate to call you a case history, but you know what I mean when I say... That's it. That's it, Neil. Neil, I'm tired. I'm almost 60. I'm doing this. I'm doing this since I'm 30 years of age. You know, I've, I, I just despair. I despair. So when you go out to work as a social care worker... Um, and worked all worked, through, worked all through I COVID. I worked two twenty-four hour shifts a week. Two twenty-four. Hours. I worked in a house where there was COVID. Um, I had no issue with that. We had our safety precautions in place. We had our PPE. We had everything. In so place. outside of the two twenty-four shifts, um, all your waking moments after that are, are looking after and and um, uh, and being with Darren. Darren is in full-time care with Cope Foundation um, okay, all right. over 10 years because okay. I just, uh, you know, my, my physical... So how does he spend head. his time? How does he spend his time in Cope now? He sits in a house. He sits in a house. The staff that work with Darren on the front line are absolutely amazing. The girls that work with him in his house, the manager of that house are absolutely amazing. But the services, the day services aren't there. And do you, you were able to visit and everything over the past 20 months? I visited at the window. I visited twice a week. And I suppose, you know, this is another example 
it's, you know, only recently I was able to get back in into his room and into the house with him, well, maybe for about six months. And, you know, I'd always be doing stuff in his room. like making Was he bed. delighted to see you when you got into the room? Well, he'd see me through the window anyway, twice a week. You know, he'd be in his bedroom and I'd be at the window. No, he was minded like gold during COVID. Yeah. I, the girls that work up there with him, they're angels. Okay. I could name every one of them out. But, like, Neil, if we don't stand up for our sick and the people that can't look after themselves, what hope have we, you know? Uh-huh. But, you know, and people that are listening today may feel this may never relate to them. We are all going to get old. We are all going to get sick. Look at the nursing home deaths over COVID. People died alone. People died alone. Well, do you, you that, remember the cervical smear scandal? There was um, there was a treatment oh. available that the HSC said not too expensive. Yeah, but they'd prefer right. to put someone into into an A&E, take up the system rather than give them a, a very simple and, and the CBD oil, the therapeutic effects on the immune system. There, it's so good, like. Of course, you have first-hand knowledge of that. There's no drug in it. There's yeah. no drug whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So the rationale, you know, the yeah. rationale, Neil, I yeah. just... Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, Look, I'm, thank you so much. I will, for, do, I will do that. I'll move it. Not at all. I know you will. It's, I know you will. And and I, I won't let you down on that. I can't guarantee the response. But listen, um, you must be tired from fighting, working a 48-hour week, two twenty-four shifts just to pay for CBD oil. I know, I know. And, and you know, yeah, to be knocked back time and, uh, after there's time. There's another time. issue I'll come back to regarding home support, but that's not for today. All right. Okay, Tess, I'll be okay. back to you, all right? Thank you so much Thank for coming you. on here. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Text 0868 104106. Uh, if you have stories to share, email neil at redfm.ie. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104106. Red FM. I've seen a statement uh, from uh, the Passport Office saying that, uh, and this isn't today or yesterday, it's in the last couple of years that the Passport Office will no longer require applicants to have a public services card. Department of Foreign Affairs has confirmed uh, previously a public services card was needed to get a passport if your last passport was issued before 2005 and had been reported lost, stolen or damaged. So they've rolled back on that. Passport Office no longer requires applicants to have a public services card to apply for a passport. It's different. Uh, I believe, with regards to a uh, driving license. Uh, so that and lots more besides after 11. Oh my God, that poor woman, Tess, this is heartbreaking. She knows her own son and he needs this, uh, help this family. Uh, she's obviously his carer. They should be looking after her. CBD oil is considered a medicine if the patient has a cannabis license and the CBD oil is prescribed by a doctor. Uh, another text here she's a fantastic lady she'll be in the doll what a woman and a mother Tess is my heart is breaking listening to her she is a warrior and a credit to her son thank you for those uh, that's uh, something that I will um, bring up with uh, Micheál Martin in conversation uh, no jab no job I'm a community healthcare assistant and I got the jab last March as I feel it was going to be cons- compulsory at some stage uh, so that my clients feel safe in their home. As we do pass through many thousands of households during the day, healthcare assistant, with some people palliative care at home. Families felt hospitals and hospices were too high risk during COVID, given the difference in natural and COVID deaths when it came to their loved one. Um, 
or their funeral. Uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. So a lot of people would want their loved ones at home rather than in palliative. And some people would want that themselves, actually, to be at home. Uh, so I understand what you're saying. What is the percentage of people dying from COVID and those with COVID? Why isn't this information public, says Jason? Well, that's a conversation that we've been having over 20 months. You know, did you die of COVID or did that person die of COVID or with COVID? Yesterday, um, there was somebody who was uh, in a hospital scenario with uh, meningitis and it was being put down as COVID. Remember that? Uh, why is, um, and can people who are vaccinated catch and carry COVID? Yes. It's a simple question. If the answer is yes, then what is the difference if 10% are not vaccinated? News outlets have posted figures that 90% are vaccinated. So why this push in the first place? Well, I might come back to that a little later on. Uh, Declan says, uh, just wish you to clarify that it is not every job that is saying you'd be fired if you don't have the vaccine. No, that was, I've never said that it was. It's those who work in the healthcare sector. It's not like McDonald's or Tesco's. So please mention this instead of spreading more outrage. People working with sick people should be vaccinated, full stop. That's only logical, says Declan. Well, I'm happy to do it again and read out your text, but I never ever suggested it was any further than healthcare. I did mention that in New Zealand it's further than healthcare. It's healthcare and teachers. Uh, But the proposal here, even if it ever happens is healthcare frontline workers. Uh, While I don't believe in being forced to take the VAC, I do think that if the government were going to do mandatory vaccinations for healthcare workers, then they should have done that day one. And maybe that would have stopped a lot of elderly homes being infected by staff coming in with the virus. Uh, Another one, I'm a midwife. I don't really feel I had a choice. I had to get the vaccine or life would have been made very hard for me by management at work. Well, that is a, a form of almost like course of control in itself, isn't it? Being forced because otherwise life would be very hard. Um, I'm in my 40s. I have had one vaccination as a child as I had a severe reaction. And my doctor advised me to have no more vaccines. I've reared my children. I work with children and I never contracted any childhood illness associated with vaccinations. And a final one for now. Why is it now that politicians want to follow the example of New Zealand? The New Zealand government took a 20% pay cut during their lockdown. Didn't our boys give them a raise? Well, you're right. They do pick and choose uh, the countries and the political structures that they wish to follow. I mean, why aren't they saying we'll follow New Zealand and take a 20% pay cut? Nah. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, talk to Robert in a second or two, but lots of texts from yesterday on many different topics of conversation. Uh, One was uh, hospitality. Part of the reason hospitality industry is stuck for staff is that people are just horrible. Since COVID, I found people have gotten much more aggressive, demanding, and much more rude. So the abuse we're getting now over the phone and in person is unreal. Match that with terrible wages and awful hours and no benefits. Why would anyone choose this career now? Sunday just gone was the wor- was mer- World Mental Health Day. Can people be just a little bit nicer, please? Well, that's not the first time that I've heard people in hospitality uh, complaining about the carry-on of customers, whether it's on the phone, trying to book, or whatever the case may be, or in person when they're in the establishment. More aggressive, more demanding, and rude. Lots then on uh, topics from yesterday. There was a lady on the air who rang an ambulance in Kilorgland to take the baby to uh, Tralee. Not everybody was happy with that. For God's sake, Neil, the ambulance service should not be used as a taxi service. 
this lady is a perfect example of some of the problems with the healthcare system. Could she not have been driven herself? I know her baby was small, but to ring an ambulance just because she can't drive and then to ring them back three times, I don't agree with it. There are people genuinely needing ambulances urgently. My uncle was a critical case four weeks ago and waited an hour plus for an ambulance and sadly passed away later in hospital. Is this one for real, ringing an ambulance for her baby? It wasn't an emergency and it's carry-on like that that takes an ambulance away from an emergency. Um, many texts then with regards to the uh, issues in the A&E. One in particular, uh, this text is in relation to the ongoing chaotic, chaotic, dangerous emergency departments in this country. I see red when I hear health officials blaming COVID for emergency rooms being overcrowded. My dad went into the A&E in 2017 well, she refers to it here as the ER in 2017 in an ambulance with severe breathing difficulties. There was no bed for him and no doctor available. So he was put sitting on a chair in the waiting room and forgotten about. Still sitting there four hours later, he went and asked someone to help uh, and he collapsed with a cardiac arrest and died. Uh, my heart is broke forever. For years, I this is 2017, for years, I've highlighted this. I've spoken to yourself too on air and many other radio stations. I also did a piece with The Independent and The Business Post. There are too many secrets and cover-ups. It's disturbing. I'm still fighting my dad's corner because I won't rest till someone owns up. It's an ongoing legal battle. So even in 2017, this was going on. Yes, I understand COVID didn't help. But even before COVID came, the health system and the ERs were not safe places to be. These ridiculous, overpaid politicians did nothing to address the crisis then. Now it's so out of control, they haven't a clue where to even start because they're not qualified enough and they're not smart enough. Today is my dad's birthday. He would have been 71. So to my daddy, happy heavenly birthday. And I'll never give up fighting for you. Thanks, says Adele. She says that her dad went into the ER. There was no bed for him, no doctor available, sitting on a chair, forgotten about Got up after four hours, went to ask for someone for help, collapsed with a cardiac arrest and died. That is just heartbreaking. Mick says, just to let you know, I too spent a night in COH with serious throat infection three weeks ago. And even though I was on a chair for 12 hours, I must say the staff, nurses and doctors couldn't do enough for me. They were really understanding, uh, understaffed and worked extremely tough in busy conditions. They deserve huge credit for all they do. COH do their best. They can be very, they, they work in a very busy environment. Um, is it big enough? You know, is it fit for purpose anymore? Are there enough staff in it? You know, is it a bottleneck? You know, um, and, and if those questions answer no to it's not big enough, no to there's not enough staff, and yes, that it's a bottleneck, it's been that way for a long, long time, fix it. Anyway, text 0868104106. Robert, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I was looking forward to chatting with you for a lot of different reasons. Firstly, <laughs> after a life in scaffolding, you had an injury. Did you fall off the scaffolding? No, a industrial pipe fell on me up in Dublin on a, a site. I'm not going to say where. Oh, I know, uh, I know. I'm I in know. court at the moment about it. Okay, so that, that meant that you now carry a disability registered as disabled and find it difficult to walk. Now, um, no, that's not through the accident. Okay. I've had health problems come on through the, not through the injury, but because of my, my 
hereditary illness. Okay, okay. But you retired anyway um, after retired sustaining the injury. Okay, okay. And the idea was that you would go to um, Fungarola on a holiday. Yeah, to on a holiday. check out for a holiday and a bit of sun, but also yeah. to maybe find a property. So you could spend six months there and six months here. Am I right? Uh, yes, I'm legally entitled to because I paid my taxes no, over, so I'm not. I over think the it's, years. I think it's brilliant. Bring me with you. I'd love it. Could I broadcast <laughs> a program? Could I broadcast a program from Fungarola? I'll do it. Of course you can. Of course you can. <laughs> Five days a week, I'm there. <laughs> but but what happened? <laughs> well, I I'm 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 Welsh, but I live in Ireland. I've been here 22 years, so I've been very ill and. I got some money back through the Construction Federation uh, pension scheme. Yeah. So then I was walking through Maham Point because I, I scaffolded that years ago, the cinemas, when it first was being built. You're talking to the man who built it, right? Well, not built it. I'm not, I'm not a builder. I'm a scaffolder. Well, they couldn't. <laughs> not going to engage in technicalities now. They couldn't build it without oh, yeah. your scaffolding. <laughs> No, that's right. Well, not mine, the company I was working for. So. Uh, so You're wrecking my head. <laughs> I walked through uh, Maham Point, as you do. Beautiful day. And I seen an advert for a holiday. So I decided to walk in. I spoke to the ladies on the counters. And I got chatting to a lady. And funny enough, she was Welsh. Lovely. So I booked a holiday. It cost me 700 uh, Sorry, €1,756. Just for you? Just for me. Five star, I'd say, was it? In a nice hotel, uh, the Fungarola, uh, the Florida Hotel in Fungarola. You must have been happy. You must have said, what is it it that the Welsh say? Lucky da. Lucky da. Yeah, (laughs) when I got there, when I got there, the uh, airline was brilliant, uh, uh, not Ryanair, the other one, uh, Air Lingus. Right. They had, because I have walking difficulties, they had a wheelchair waiting at the top of the stairs for they me. Do. And the yeah. Spanish people were brilliant. Yeah. I went outside of Malaga Airport. Now, that's a big airport. And there was a gentleman there from TUI helped me in a wheelchair all the way to the vehicle, which is a far, fair old walk, and they took me to the hotel. Super. Now I had two splendid weeks in Fungarol, plus I hired a car and went around, because I can drive. Yeah. Okay. And I went around checking out Spain, as you do. Yeah. I found a lovely property, and I'm thinking, I was thinking of buying it. And can I just so ask you a little bit about, can I just, because I know people would be curious, and I am. Did you just drive around, or did you go to a, an estate agent, or ask for recommendations? Oh, I went, uh, no, I, see, I've been travelling back and forth to Spain for years, but because I've always paid everything for cash, it's the first time I've ever booked a holiday through a travel agent. I've never done that before. Mm. Because of my mobility issues, and the, the offer, because of the pandemic, because I've had all my injections and because I've been ill for a very long time, I'm still ill. But it's the first time I've ever, ever in my life paid through, not a credit card, through my debit card. Okay. And normally I, do, I have friends in Spain that have places there 
but this time they were all booked up. They were all had people in. So I, okay. I chose the hotel style. Okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll move on. So you, um, you, know, you, you stayed from the 19th of August to the 2nd of September. And um, it was after checkout, trying to get back to the I checked airport. That- I checked, I, I was supposed to check out at 12 o'clock. So I paid the extra 30 euros to stay in the hotel room until 4 o'clock. Right. But I knew that uh, I I was getting the bus. There's a bus that comes to pick people up to go back. Because you, you pay for the transfer there and transfer back, right. obviously, in yeah. the holiday. Yeah. So I'm waiting at 5 to f- five to 4, and I'm waiting for the bus. At 20 to 5, I go back into reception. I'm waiting outside or by the door. Now, Tui, who I went with, Madam Point, their bus is light blue with a big red sign that says Tui on it. Right. It did not arrive. What time is it due at? It was due at half past four. And you were there, in fairness to you, at five past four, five to four. I would, no, I was there at five to four because I knew, I'm, I'm one of these, I have to be on time, I'm weird. Don't mind, don't mind my head. But You're not weird, you're dead right, be on time. At 25 to five, 20 to five, I went back into reception and I spoke to a the lady there. Brilliant staff, they rang for me. And I was there as she was talking to the representative for TUI holidays. So I heard him I heard her say to him in English, Mr. Moss is where you have a customer to pick up to take back to the airport for his flight at twenty to eight that night on the second. So I'm st- I, I move all my bags outside with great difficulty, but uh, that's another point. So I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. Then she came running out about quarter past five, half past five, to say, why didn't you go? I said, well, the bus isn't here. It hasn't turned up. So she said, right. She ran back in, got me a cab. So I got a cab to, to Malaga Airport. Now, when you check in at Malaga Airport, I maybe you've been there before, I don't know. I have, many times. But there's a hell of a walk to get to the flight back in when you check in your bags. Now, I can't walk. And when I came to Spain, they had a wheelchair help and through customs and all everything to help me. So you're so literally trying way. to walk with your bag then? and yeah, With bags, yeah. not bags. And did you bags. make the flight? I couldn't. I, I, I was crying in pain. I had to stop. I didn't. I got there at ten past seven because there was an accident on the motorway. Okay, so you didn't the make cab. the flight. To, uh, did the and okay? So what happened next? My bags went to the flight, but I couldn't get there. So they took my bags bags off the flight, and the flight took off without me. They tried to hold it, but I couldn't physically get there. There was no help. There was no no wheelchairs. There was nothing because. Uh, they didn't know I was disabled. They, Tui in Mahan Point didn't tell the Spanish that I was disabled. All they knew I was disabled was when I walked... So you couldn't walk into Malaga walk. Airport and request a, a wheelchair just like that? You have to request it in your flight. Okay, okay. so you just couldn't make it to the departure I gate. C- the I bags couldn't did. get there. I was in yeah. pain, crying, and my legs locked up. That's the, the, the bloody Did anybody come to your aid, your assistance, no? No. Okay. A couple of Spanish 
people and a couple of Irish people and a couple of English people, oh, look, we'll carry your bags for you. They helped me, but I just couldn't get there. I had to sit down. They could see you were in distress, but you just couldn't move anymore. Okay. So having missed the flight, what did you do? The agent was on the phone to me all the time to get the flight, saying it was my fault, it's my fault. I said, no, it's not my fault. So then they sent an agent to me at the, at, at the, uh, after missing the flight. Then they sent me back in a posh uh, taxi without charge back to the same hotel, the Hotel Florida in Fungarola. And then I had to rebook, and they said on the phone that they would reimburse me they would pay for this and they would organise my flights back on two or three days time so I was happy with that but on the night time because I tried to run I burst blood vessels in my legs because of my blood problems Mm. my Mm. masculine problems so did that mean you had to stay longer than the two or three days no this this is where it it gets weird I had a phone I had to they phoned me. I had to phone an emergency number to speak to a Spanish TUI representative and they got me a doctor out. So the doctor came and I had to pay my own money, obviously, and for my medication. Because when you go abroad now, you, by customs, you're only allowed to bring your medication with you for 14 days. Gotcha. So if I'm going for six months... I bring six months. Okay, I understand. Uh, and just, just to move it along then, so where do we Sorry. end up with you being €800 Euro out of pocket? On the Saturday morning, I get a phone call from the two representative saying, we are not paying for the hotel. We are not paying for your flights back. It's your fault you didn't get the bus. But the bus, the bus didn't... The bus never arrived at the hotel... Reception. That's right. Never but came. They're saying, they're saying, their sat nav said it did. And I said to them, that's a lie because if I was not there, the driver, the bus driver, has to go in and get a stamp off the hotel, which he never did. So I got a letter from the hotel, Fungarola, uh, the hotel Florida in Fungarola, to prove this point that I was waiting. So the full total for the hotel is 800, is it? The hotel and flights? No, that's, uh, yes, all together, because I had to pay two extra days for food, hotel bills and taxis back and forth to ho- the, the airport again. And I had to ask them to help me to book a flight. And you had to pay for no, that flight? Yeah, then there was no baggage allowance on it as there was when I first Okay, came so that added to the back. amount. So we're up so to So I had to pay extra again. Okay, and you know when the girl saw you and said, you know, did you not get the... She rang... You said that she rang the... She rang the agent. The agent. deal with Tui. Yeah, and d- w- w- my understanding then would be that she would have told the agent to tell the bus to come back and get you. That didn't happen either. No, no. They, no, when they phoned, they phoned... A, it's on the way in five minutes, so I waited outside. But then she come running out because she yeah. saw so me it never, yeah, it never, five. it never arrived. It never came. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's never arrived. Saying yeah. by there, sat now. So why on one, why on the one hand would Tui say that they would pay for the hotel and rebook you on flights, and then ring back and say they won't? Because they said they did an investigation, which which took two days, and they dropped me like a fly. They're saying <laughs> that the bus did go to the hotel, and that you yeah. weren't there. Yeah, and I weren't there. Which. Yeah. If I weren't there, I wouldn't have minded. I'd have to pay 
but that's, this is why I'm phoning you. Yeah. Because they are calling me a liar. Okay. I'm, I'm not a liar. Okay. okay. I have proof. Well, we called Tui on your behalf and they say, we are very sorry to hear about Mr. Moss's experience on his holiday. We are looking into what happened with our resort team and we'll be contacting Mr. Moss directly to resolve his complaint. So that sounds promising to me. All they need to do is to call the hotel receptionist that you dealt with, right? She'll tell him what happened. That's what I'm saying, sir. But what I'm saying is it took him two days to drop me like a fly and leave me stranded in Spain, yeah. if I hadn't had retirement money, what would I have done? I know, I know, I know. Uh, well, and it's took them over, over a month now to send me stupid emails. Yes, I've sent some stupid emails to them. Okay, but let's see what they decide to do now when they say that they will resolve your complaint. Resolving the complaint has given you the 800 euro that you're out of pocket, right? Yes, and compensation for the stress and harm that it's done to my mental health, plus my physical injuries I had to get doctors out I had to pay I had to get more medication I know it's how much was all of the doctor's medication and stuff well the medication was I know it's only a little bit of sum 37 euros I'll say 837 and you're looking for compensation and do you have a figure in mind for that that's down to them I I can't say that's up to them as a big company like they are to treat people like they do. But I don't think it's just happened to me because when I was there, it happened to three other people from different countries. Where the two-way bus didn't turn up? Yes, but for other times too, for different people in different countries. They need to have a chat with their bus drivers. No, I don't think it's just the bus drivers. I think it's it's how big they are. They have 180 shops all around the world. Okay, okay. All right, now I'm 100% up to date on what happened here. I don't know about the compensation. I mean, if you're lucky, you'll get the 800 back and you might get a voucher for a flight or something or maybe some discount in the future with a... Well, I think they should. Credit no, but they shouldn't be able to treat people like that. But I think it just ha- doesn't happen to me. And maybe it's happened to a lot of more okay. Irish people. I okay. live here. Irish don't stick up for themselves sometimes. Well, you certainly do stick up for you. Maybe the I Welsh are better at that. So we'll see what they say with regards to resolving your complaint. We'll give it for we'll give it a few days and see what happens. Did you buy? Did you were you going to buy a house there? Or are you going to rent for six months? I I will do once. Uh, see, I can't I can't discuss that because I have an ongoing high court case. No, not interested in the high court. But when you go yeah, and live there for six me, months, I would be still living. I would be back and forth. From Lovely. here, from Ireland, because I love Ireland, even right. though I'm Welsh. Okay, six months Welsh there travel. in the heat and six months here not in the heat. Okay, sounds no, like a plan. In the heat, because yeah. I'll yeah. do it when it's warm here. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a lottery there. Okay, I listen, we'll see, what, we'll see what do he do, and we'll wait for a response, see what they do do, and when we get a response to it, we'll be back in touch with you, all right? Thank you very much, sir. You're a gentleman. All right, take care, Robert. Cheers. You got there in the end. Thanks for that. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. I know what the secret sound is. Just just there this second. I know what it is. I was listening to the promo. Do you know what it is? I don't. It's a metal whisk being tapped off the side of a saucepan. Right. Are you going to ring in tomorrow? They wouldn't, they wouldn't give me the money. <laughs> Hello, Ray. Is it not a drip on a, I a, on a tin, tin, tin roof or what? something, no? A, a cat in a hot tin roof. No, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a metal whisk being tapped off the side of a metal saucepan. No, I don't think so. I guarantee you whoever rings tomorrow will ask that question. How long? It's, it's running for a while. Oh, no, it was one last week. Or oh, yeah, it was eight and a half grand one, so it's small Fabulous. money. Well, I think I'll wait a few weeks. <laughs> and then I come up with the vice. Ray! <laughs> 
But do we get a cut? So if uh, why are you re- are you related to me or something? Do I owe I you know, money? But like, if somebody wins tomorrow, like oh, if they sure, win, oh, you, should get a cut. Or you should get a cut. No, but if I win, you won't get a cut. I know that, but <laughs> sure, that's a given. <laughs> That's what it is anyway, lads. So if I can't get through in the morning, somebody else should. And good luck with it. Oh, listen, a very honest and open chat with Emma yesterday with regards to menopause at 39. Um, interesting text. I'll come back to some more of them later, but just here's three. My GP rang me with my blood results. She said, you're very young, but you're well advanced in menopause. And I asked what I want. And I was asked, what do you want to do? I said, what do you mean? She said about HRT. And I said, I'm clueless. She said, Google it. Come back to me and let me know. What a joke. Well, over and over again, and even yesterday, Emma was saying it was about information. It was about sharing information and people learning more about it so they're not going into it unknown. Listen to hearing y'all. I'm very interested about your conversation on perimenopause and menopause. I'm 41, have three kids. I'm perimenopausal. And I've also had hemochromatosis which has all the same side effects. I'm also on the waiting list to have a hysterectomy. Uh, One final, well, read up everything you can everywhere. Just literally devour the topic. Um, Dr. Mary Ryan, actually, she's a good woman to Google on that. Good doctor, good GP, well across it. I'm waiting on my blood tests regarding perimenopause. I'm 39, very anxious. I have anger issues. My hormones are all over the place. I suffer from dizziness and aches. Thank you, Neil, for talking about this. No one talks about it. Women just go through it alone, which is bothering, as every woman will go through it, says Claire. We should go through it together. Well said, and thank you for that. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. I'll come back to the TUI story when I get a response on it. We'll move on for now, though. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, you are waiting on a passport, is it? Passport renewal yeah. for the last eight weeks and uh, I know people are waiting over 12 weeks. Yes, they are, and many of them. And your call will prompt many more of them to get in touch with me. You'd be better off getting the magic ticket for Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, pal. But would you not think it's unacceptable? In the sense that they should be at work, going back into work, is it? Yes, yes, back into work. They're obviously not doing anything from home anywhere as well, they believe. Well, we're 10 days away from October 22nd. they got to go back then, don't they? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think they'll have to go back. Okay, okay. I mean, for the last, what have they been doing for the last 20 months that they've been getting paid? Trying to cobble some kind of a service together to get passports out because they weren't... It's, you know very well that it's the staff aren't refusing to go back. I think they are. No. I think they are. I think I think staff are refusing to go back. No, I, I think, think you have, are. like I think like all businesses, you have to wait for the nod. Well, let me put it like this to you, Neil. I don't know anybody in the public sector, public sector that has lost their job through the pandemic. I know a hell of a lot of people who, through no fault of their own, lost their jobs in the private sector. Yeah, well, I know that. Yeah, yeah. There's I no accountability. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that. the Department of Social Welfare paid out money to the PUP that people weren't entitled to. Just uh, just on that point, um, uh, one in ten of the PUP claims have found to have been fraudulent and shouldn't, well, fraudulent and they said that people shouldn't have polite for it and they got it. Does that mean now that they will have to pay it back? 
that means that the money can never be recovered. But why why can't they go after it? Like, if you owe revenue money, they'll come after you for it. Why aren't revenue going after them? it will cost more money to chase them down. What does it matter? Why, why should, this isn't about the money. If people but, are taking money they're not entitled to, why shouldn't they give it? Put it like this, Neil. If you lose a fiver in the city, will you spend 50 advertising to get the fiver back you own? Okay, okay, well put. Now you've had the P, you've had the HSE with PPE equipment that they deemed that was of no use. Hundreds of millions were there. Well, I know they spent money. They spent money on ICU ventilators that were useless. I know that. Yes, I know that. and that money won't be recovered either. You, you're only seven weeks though, Pat, is it? Eight weeks. Eight, yeah. I mean, uh, I have to tell you, there's people a lot longer than that. I know, I believe that. I would have no hesitation. But if you've got one of your um, researchers to ring the passport office in Dublin... Uh, what they're telling you on the line, on the phone, is that, and there's a voice recording is telling you that there's a turnaround of 10 days. You know that's not true. No, no, they're, 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 forget about that. That's that's ancient news. No, I know I know what it's like, because yesterday I was on to Abbey Court House trying to clarify the public services card, and I was on hold, and on hold, and on hold, and eventually I just gave up. So I think a lot of public services aren't answering their phones. But is there any accountability in the country? Well, it's it's time now for them to, to buck up. Like Every department in, in the country has been hemorrhaging money for years and years, as long as I can remember. Yeah. Like, you have two people presenting a budget today. A budget that only lasts nine months. Because, I mean, petrol and diesel will go up tonight from midnight. And everything, there's a knock-on effect with everything because everything is delivered. It's going up every day anyway. Did you manage to yes, get through it, to somebody, though? Yes, if there's an increase in the in social welfare or any payments like that, that won't take place until January, probably. Mm, no, fuel allowance goes up from midnight tonight. And I'm sure that... Fuel allowance? Yeah. But what, what about... Increases in don't, the pension. Don't know. When don't, is that going up? When does it usually go up? Does it not usually go up immediately or is there a waiting period? No, yet? it doesn't. It never goes up immediately. Okay, thank you for that. I don't have a pension. Not yet anyway. So thank you for that. Yeah. So, okay. All right. I understand the point Account- you're making. Accountability needs, uh, somebody needs to take account of these things. Like we've had epidemics or pandemics in this country before. Now, none of our government departments or Taoiseach or Tarnister, none of them went back to see how previous governments handled the epidemics we have. I know, yeah. You know that politicians can't handle the public sector. You know that they can't. They're probably as, imagine they're probably as frustrated as you are by sections of it. what the hell are we paying them for? Are the inefficiencies a part of it? Uh, Well, like you get a person working for 20 years and more if there's a pension scheme in their job they're working over 20 years for us. If there is, most jobs now don't have any pension schemes operating or sick pay schemes or anything like that. Yes, you have a politician who all, all they have to do is spend a term of five years and they have a pension for life. Yeah, do you know what? Do you know how much it would cost you to buy Micheál Martin's pension over the course of your working life? Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd be working till I'd be a thousand, I'd say. Two, two million euro. Yeah. Just change out of two million. Well, I mean, it, 
A lot of brass, isn't no, it? There's no accountability, and you don't have a credible opposition, in my opinion. Sinn Féin and, and the left parties are not a credible opposition. Okay, so you, you have an issue with the public sector who've been working away for the past 12 months, but at home and not really working at all. Yes, and, and the tax on the other back it up. People are waiting 12 weeks and beyond that for a, a simple thing. And just remember, when you when you apply for a passport, you have to go to your local Garda station, get a stamp and so on. Yeah. You're already after doing a lot. I, I, I've sent mine through Swift Post back in August. Okay. So it cost me 89 euros. Instead of the 80, it cost me 89. And when you eventually managed to get onto somebody on the phone, did they tell you that you're going to be waiting a long, long time or call a TV? Anyone in the phone, they're not answering calls. I got into nobody. All right. No, you said you rang the passport office in Dublin. Was that just a machine? I did. I rang them and I'm getting getting an answering machine telling me that there's a turnover of 10 days. Is it a renewal? Renewal, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to people on the air who got a renewal within two days. They might have sent it online on the Wednesday and it was, they arrived on the well, following month. They must be from outside the country because the only, the only people that's been discriminated against here in this country are the Irish themselves. Nobody else. I, they're probably waiting for people coming in there for refugees coming in. Yeah. Ah, here we go again. Yeah, the old, yeah, the refugees and the asylum seekers get everything. Is it? Well, I'm, I, I, I know people who got Irish citizenship faster than them. Get waiting for my passport. Right. Uh, that's not their. That's not their fault, though. If the system permits maybe, it, maybe it's not. But I, I think, I think what we have, we have governments who want to be over backwards but people who are not Irish citizens what's the point of being an Irish citizen if you don't have any rights um, you know you'd have to be um, really and truly in the know if you were somebody from overseas that got a got citizenship in Ireland faster than you could get a passport you know that I mean let's be I honest know, I know I know people who got them very fast very fast very fast uh, but do they, mean, no, did they come in? No, did they come in as there's, asylum seekers or refugees? There's hundreds of millions hemorrhaging from every department in the country. No, I don't. I just don't Why? want people going around now uh, looking at people who have a different colour skin to us and looking at them in a derogatory way on the basis of what you just said. The people who got citizenship faster than you can get a passport were they refugees? Were they asylum seekers? Were they uh, a surgeon who was coming over here to live and to work and to practice medicine? Who were they? Should any should anyone get a, a citizenship faster than an Irish person can get a passport? No, anyone? no, I don't believe they do. Like if you threw if you threw that out to the public this morning, people will say that. No, no, Pat, Pat. There are people up in the Kinsale Road Accommodation Centre, the refugee centre up there, and they're there six years, eight years, ten years yeah, plus. Tell me something for nothing. Did the Irish, did they give you or me? We run them out of their own country. No, we didn't. No. Or we had fought in any shape or form for they leaving their own country. No. We were not. But if if you ask if you ask most people this morning, they'll they'll tell you the only people that's been discriminated against here is the Irish themselves. 
Yeah, but that doesn't pre- that doesn't pre- um, that doesn't preclude us from letting people coming in from to come in from overseas to set up a life here, to live here, to re- raise children here, to work here, to contribute here absolutely. on that basis of the color of their skin. I'm n- I never mentioned color of anyone's skin. As you mentioned that, what I'm, sta- <laughs> what I'm stating is that what I'm stating is they can't look after their own. How can you look after anybody else if you can't? But sure, we, we couldn't, listen, man, we couldn't look after our own in the 80s when I legged it to Canada and others went to America and others went to England and so others went to Australia. We had the slattery bus to Wales and we had people getting on airplanes saying goodbye to their parents at Cork Airport because there was no work here. Was that the fault of America or Australia or England? Should, should they have said to us, sorry, pal, we didn't cause a recession in Ireland. Stay away. They didn't. Well, tell, tell me something. Uh, because I've heard that old argument many times before. Anyone that's illegal out in America, are they getting any assistance from anybody? Oh, well, I mean, there are different processes any there. Yeah. Any Irish out in America, they can't claim for nothing. That's illegal. Remember that. Any Irish in America, in Australia, that. There, there are, I mean, there are people that come into the asylum seeker system in Ireland that are rejected and they're sent back. You, you realise that. Like you have to make you have to you have to make your case. What I'm stating, and I state it, and, and I firmly believe in it, that the Irish in this country are discriminated against. Not anybody coming in; it's the Irish are being discriminated against. It's as simple as that. I mean, we, if you can't get a simple thing like a passport, you have very little chance of getting a house. Yeah, that seems bizarre because I'm seeing texts here. We got our renewal passport within five days, um, and we're not refugees, according to your man on the radio. Um, no, did you rub someone the wrong? You could, didn't talk to anyone on the phone, so you didn't rub. You didn't say to anybody in the passport oh, no, office what you just said well, to me, did you? Yeah. Why? Why don't you get your your research just the phone Dublin, phone the passport office in Dublin? They are certainly not answering Cork. Passport office has been closed in Cork for. 20 months. Yeah. Um, here's one here. Don't give up my details. The Cork Passport Office are working two split shifts. They work 8 to 2 and 2 to 8 to allow for okay. social distancing in the office, but being paid are they for. Working in the dark? But they're being paid for a full day. My sister got her last passport replaced within three weeks earlier in the summer. So, um, two split shifts. So, different people work 8 to 2 and different people work 2 to 8. Well, I've stood outside the passport office and they must be walking in the dark because there's no lights on. There's no right. sign of any lights. Okay, let me, um, okay, well, look, uh, let me get some other calls and texts on this if people want to uh, pick up on your chat yeah, with me. That there's no accountability. There needs to be accountability. So there's no accountability to the public sector and there is yeah. uh, only discrimination against the Irish. Okay, nice one. That's okay. my opinion. And you're entitled and to it. I believe that. All right, thanks, Pat. Thank you. Cheers, take care. Text 0868 if you want to pick up on that. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850. 104-106. Okay, can come back to that and lots more besides. Just a couple of texts and then some uh, to finish up one or two calls on refs. We're talking about refs and the abuse they put up with. I went to a Mallow under-14s rugby match on Sunday against Cantark. The boys all had huge respect for the ref and the coaches. It's instilled into them. 
uh, at rugby clubs. Uh, on the topic of underage soccer and football, I'd like to mention how poor a lot of the managers treat some of the players. My stepson started training with the team for the last four weeks, went to two matches. He didn't get on the pitch either time. And when we asked the manager, he told us he wasn't the only one. He'll play him in the next game. Then over the weekend, the same thing happened again. He got no playing time and got a pity text from the manager with apologies and a promise he'll play the next game. And again, the same thing happened. He was completely pawned off and browned off. I see it myself from my own experience growing up. Managers obsessed with winning and all they're doing is teaching these kids that if they try hard and keep going to training, then you won't be rewarded because the manager wants to win. To me, this is completely the wrong message to send to these kids. My stepson's 13. He should have been having fun. Instead, he was very upset and doesn't want to go back anymore. Third time wasn't lucky. It's terrible carry on and it's happening at all ages. They are missing the point of the game. It's supposed to be fun for the kids completely, in my opinion. Love the show, says David. I've heard that before, that they are obsessed with winning. Uh, just one or two on that in a second. But just first up, Claire, good morning. Hi, how are you? Okay, do you want to pick up on my conversation with uh, with Pat? Yeah, just to note, like he's saying there, that it's, it, is he making out that the foreigners are getting the passports first? No, he's not. He's saying they're getting citizenship faster than he can get a passport. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, no, my point was, um, I got my passport, I left it run out of date, kind of by accident, and knowingly as well, it ran out of date in February. So I just decided in July I wasn't going anywhere or anything like that. I said, you know what, I better get it. It's very important to have it. So I applied for it. And I ticked the box as well, you know, for the passport card. I said, everyone seems to be complaining it's taken so long and I get that. So I just said, look, I'll try that and see if it'll come faster. I had the passport within, I'd say, a week. um, And the card followed within days. And was that just June just gone? Uh, it was July actually it came July in July there yeah, yeah see I'm wondering it seems to be faster getting a renewal than a new passport you know and I'm wondering yeah. is that the case as well with uh, somebody who's getting a replacement passport that they can be faster maybe yeah, yeah. I just yeah, mine, mine was there definitely within the two-week mark, anyway. Yeah, well, be thankful for it because you're one of the lucky ones, I can tell you, on the basis that I've been talking to. What about, so is that the point you wanted to make? You didn't want to pick up on yeah. saying that the Irish are discriminated, but yes, we bend over backwards to allow everybody in here to give them everything for nothing, you say? No, I'm, I have no comment on that. All right, girl, appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. Have a good day. Rudy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, are you a ref? No, I'm not a race. Okay, but you're interested in what? Uh, in sport in general, is it? Yeah, no, I'm, I, I like all sports. Um, rugby, obviously, being being the, the, the one the one I live for, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I like sports in general. Okay, all right. And we were talking about the amount of abuse that refs put up with in soccer. And also, I have to say, it can also happen in Gaelic football, and we saw that over the weekend, but not in rugby. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, I think the refs do get a bit of asshole in rugby, but not, not nearly to the same scale that you see it happening, especially in football. I've never seen anybody square up to a rugby ref. No, no, I wouldn't say square up. You, you do get a bit of, uh, I'd say, back chatting, um, but not, 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 not actual violence towards the ref. Yeah, yeah. Well, not vicious name calling by well i mean it, you know if you look at if you not, let's not talk about ireland versus wales or ireland versus south africa here it's club games we're talking about you know yeah you know younger younger players where the families are on the sideline 
No, you see, like I said, it's it's with the football you you get a lot of um, hassle and um, uh, abuse. I think it comes from from the manager. It starts with the management and the coaches, because I mean they they act act like a uh, a lot of the times, not all of them act like a bunch of um, hooligans. Then the players uh, follow the example of their coaches, and then the spectators follow the example of the players. Yeah. So it's just one one vicious circle. Yeah. So if they see it in the Premier League, they tend to copy it at the at schoolboys level, and parents that's, as well. Uh, well, that's what I believe exactly what it is. Um, I mean, those guys in the Premier League they get paid millions of euros to to do a job, and um, unfortunately, the, the 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 young ones look up to them, and they they feel that if they isn't the a well-known player acting like that, it, it is acceptable for him to act like that in uh, on schoolboy level. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're the ones they notice. That's it. Okay, okay. And what is it they say about rugby, a, a hooligans game, is it? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, again, my, my opinion, I firmly believe that rugby is a hooligans game played by gentlemen and um, football is a gentleman gentleman's game played by hooligans. <laughs> I've heard that before, but it always makes me laugh. <laughs> right. Okay, thanks, Rudy. Again, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm right, but that, that's my view. Okay, have a good day. Thanks for that. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. Back to the phone lines we got. Just get one call in, I'd say, this side of uh, midday and pick up on everything else uh, tomorrow morning. We've been I've been chatting over the past few weeks with people who have had major life or career changes that they, you know, had and went through during COVID. And I was often asking the question as to what part of your old, co- your pre-COVID life do you not want back? You know, some people have had a big sea change in their life and hopefully all for the better. Peggy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. I wish I had more time because I'm mad keen to hear. You You were you were a spa consultant um, and along, co- along came COVID and the spas all closed down. Listen, it was, it was like a life-changing moment where panic ensued because our business is being in the room in close proximity, breathing on people, minding people. And all of a sudden, all the bricks and mortars were closed, all the, the hotels yeah. were closed. And it was, and I was, I, I both design spaces as well as products and treatments. So my supply had closed down, my consultancy had closed down. And while I was working with the Irish government in Falter, Ireland in building guidelines so that the spas could reopen safely, I did panic in a deep sense, wondering would it ever happen? And so, at that I, I point, you, you decided then to go out on your own and launch your own products and range. And it's interesting because we were talking about menopause yesterday and perimenopause as well. Yes. So you've yes. got you've, you're you're out of the spa. You're probably on pop. You're homeschooling at the same time, and you set up this business. Yes. So I, I basically had products that I was private labeling for Adair Manor and the Cliff Group. And I literally knocked on the door of Brown Thomas and showed them and went through the prototypes, went through branding and said I was going to come out from behind the curtains and kind of do my own brand for well-being and not so much in a pampering and indulgent way, but in a much more kind of purposeful, therapeutic way. Yeah, because when I hear of, say, you talk about hotels and what have you, it's it's usually like soaps and shampoo and conditioner and, and, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, body creams. But this is um, this is a CBD balm, is it? Yeah, this is more kind of um, more true well-being, kind of kind of 
for people who are suffering anxiety, suffering with sleep deprivation or insomnia, children with anxiety and grief. So so it's much more therapeutic and much more, I suppose, more meaningful. And it's all about self-care. And I suppose sleep is the essence. It's the ultimate act of self-care. So teaching people about how and why they must work for their sleep. You must build your sleep pressure during the day by moving and just speaking our body's language because as stressed as we can get and as anxious as we can get, essential oils kind of come into our body, they get absorbed naturally and they help us build balance in the body. And when combined with CBD, it just softens all those receptors and nerve endings in the body. And did, uh, did BT give you an exclusive deal for a period of time then? They, say that again? Did BT take your product exclusively for a period of time? They took me on. Now, at the time I was homeschooling, I did offer them the kids, but they said, we just want the brand for six months. So the brand comes with it. the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and the husband who's working at home. But basically, we, we went with them for six months, making the product from my kitchen table. I had my mother in our bubble, who was brilliant at the bath salt. <laughs> And we hammered it out. We had a great laugh. And the next thing, it got too big. My own website launched in May. It got too big. The The kitchen got too small. What did you do next? Listen, my ego got too big. Just joking. No, the whole thing got too big. (laughs) And we had to rent the house across the road and literally um, have three floors now in a terrace house where we're producing. And we're in some of the most beautiful spas in Ireland from the K-Club to Mount Julius. And it's all coming from a three-bedroom semi across the road. Yeah. And, and we're going to be scaling up now in March, hopefully, Neil, into kind of kind of putting the big girls' knickers on now because <laughs> it's just become it's become huge now, and it's so exciting. So and you're in all the exclusive hotels and spas. You're in Hong Kong, Madrid, all over the world, and you're flying. I'm, I'm, and you know what? It's been such a freedom, but it took COVID to get brave and to come out from behind. It, it gave me permission. To, to come forward on it and do wellness my own way. And, you know, because I'm in perimenopause and hadn't realised it, I've been in it for four years without realising it, between my nails and my bones and my hands and losing hair. Oh, and, oh no. And, and, and different things were happening to me. This is why World Menopause Day on Monday, I said to Seamus, your researcher, we have to come on, we have to have a chat about it because... If Tell you what. Let me on, we're going to storm the building. Tell you what we'll do on Monday, being World Menopause Day. I'll get you on again for a little while, and we'll give away some of your hampers of products. How's that work for you? Would love it. I'd absolutely love it, Neil. That would be fab. Thanks a million. Not at all. Chat to you Monday, and people can get Thanks further Neil. details at www.groundwellbeing.com. Neil, you're the best. Chat on Monday. Start packing a few hampers for me. I want them, all right? (laughs) Okay, thanks, Neil. (laughs) Bye-bye. Oh, my God. She's infectious, that one. Anyway, lines to stay open, 1-850-104-106. Make sure you're listening Monday when I pick up one of those hampers. Text 0868-104-106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.